It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Here we go, off and running on this 27th day of December 2023. Four days remain in the old year. Um, this is, of course, prayer meeting Wednesday, kind of. Uh, we'll probably find some religious fat shittery to deal with. Um, hi. I'm Robin, and uh, like I said, it's prayer meeting Wednesday, and we've got stuff. Um, but if you're listening to the program live, please feel free to pop on over to HeadOn.Live and click on chat room and jump into the Mary Wacky Zany real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that is that room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round, and whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. And if you are a podcast listener, well, by all means, please like, like, the, uh, like each episode subscribe on a couple of different platforms you know we're we're all over the place uh let's see odyssey iHeartRadio, radio uh, tune in uh, spotify like i said all over the place uh, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, podcast republic uh podbean of course uh and just pick a couple so that you'll be notified every time a new episode goes up, which is pretty much every Monday through Friday, except uh, like Christmas and New Year's weeks. Right. Uh, pub, uh, making a comment makes the uh, makes the uh, episode a little more visible from a computer standpoint or something. Hey, yes, uh, uh, Brother Deacon Asa reminds me we're also on Amazon Music, so there's that. And anyway, if you do pop by the aforementioned Mary Wacky Zany, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers that's Ralps and Squeaky and capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, Bud Trimmer Emeritus, and 
uh, Zimmergist extraordinaire, Roger, in Oregon. Squeaky is apparently cooking this evening, slow roasting a lamb leg with mustard black pepper glaze. Oh, my, that sounds heavenly. So every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So consequently, we say thank you to our 27th day of the month PayPal subscribers and other contributors. Thank you so kindly to Cecilia. Cecilia said, uh, I hope all's well with you and yours. Forgive me, I'm working back-to-back 16-hour shifts because of a labor shortage in the hospital. Gracious sakes, I hope you do get to take care of yourself, Cecilia, when uh, things slow down a little bit. Back-to-back 16-hour shifts, that's uh, that's brutal. Uh, thank, you, thank you to an anonymous friend helping, uh, jumping in to help out uh, yesterday evening. And uh, for anyone uh, listening, uh, there are no actual subscribers on the 27th day of the month. That's a, uh, it's a goose egg day. Hopefully that'll change. But at any rate, where we stand now relative to trying to finish the month fully funded, uh, we are at... $2,586. No, $76. 2576 Ouch. Um, I hope we can knock, it would be great if we could knock it all down, but we knock, if we knock some of it down, I've got a little bit of hope for getting the lupine pest off the porch. The role of lupine pest in this instance being played by cell phone company, internet company, and of course, America's least reliable electric utility, Appalachian Power. It's cold fried, y'all. So twenty five seventy six, and that basically means that uh, uh, today, yesterday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Monday, and the previous Friday, is that it, are all unfunded. So that's uh, that's almost two full broadcast weeks. Just in the way it works out. But thanks and uh, thanks to everybody who does keep this little thing going. All the little plates spinning on all the little sticks. You're the reason we exist. Where to begin this evening? Uh, there's a uh, there, there's a new filing out today by the special counsel's office, and it apparently. It apparently is getting uh, a lot of attention from him, from Trump. He's just sort of lashing out 
at everyone and everything. Now there's a move afoot, you know, of course, uh, Colorado, the Supreme Court there said he should be removed from the ballot for being a provocateur of insurrection. The Michigan Supreme Court said today that he had to stay on the primary ballot, but the issue could be revisited if he wins the primary, because primaries are nominating processes. I mean, I at least understand some of the uh, some of the rationale there. Minnesota is in the same or similar circumstances. But that's not the only place where Orange Genius may be removed. Now, a man named Andrew Ruddick is on a bit of a personal crusade. A a, a mission, let's say. Let's not use crusade. Andrew Roddick's on a mission. He lives in Hollywood Hills, California. Swimming pools, movie stars. That's Beverly Hills. He's been going to city council meetings. He's been been writing letters to uh, government bureaucrats because he has one goal. The removal of Julius Geezer's star from the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Good for him. Everybody needs a hobby. But he makes a pretty convincing case. Uh, Speaking at the Los Angeles City Council earlier this month, He said the reasonably conveyed message to the millions who have walked past that plaque since 2021 is the city's endorsement of a man who attempted a coup against the United States. Since 2016, it's been repeatedly vandalized and trashed. Uh, It's cost somewhere around $20,000. But nobody quite knows exactly who has the authority. The Chamber of Commerce says it's not them. Uh, The Chamber is authorized by the city to administer a Walk of Fame ceremony, select and honor the recipient, order the fabrication of the star, and place the star in the sidewalk. But the Chamber does not have the authority from any jurisdiction to permanently remove a star. We don't understand why people think we have the authority. Meanwhile, the city council, uh, despite calling for his impeachment unanimously in 2021, uh, doesn't want to act. And the historic trust is reticent as well. Perhaps if they all agreed together. uh, Who knows? 
Uh, Hugo Soto Martinez is a council representative for the area where the Walk of Fame is. He said Donald Trump is a racist, fascist, and a threat to our democracy. Since there's no known precedent for removing a star from a Hollywood Walk of Fame, we're looking into where the authority lies, what the legal issues may be, and what a process for it might look like. Uh, Ruddick, who's on the mission, just the same, says, uh, having researched the topic for years and years and years now, uh, says he's convinced that the city council has the authority to remove a star and said a good first step would be asking the city attorney to draft a report on the process. Well, good for them. It could be a starting place. And remember, he he got his star for his time on The Apprentice. Which, to say that, oh, just, no. Remember last week we talked a little bit about uh, John Fetterman? And, well, I think Tara and I talked about it when we, when we were filling in for Malloy. Uh, John Fetterman has taken a decided turn to the center and now says that uh, he's not a progressive, even though in his victory speech he said that he was part of a progressive movement. It was an article in uh, there was an article in Politico, an interview with Fetterman after he kind of started this little firestorm. The Politico uh, article is in, like I said, an interview format. And basically unloaded on people who have criticized him. With particular invective for um, James Carville. Basically because James Carville said earlier this year that Biden was a liability to the party and needed to get out of the race. And I remember being none too plussed with James Carville's assessment in that moment. Still not. So I don't fully disagree with uh, John Fetterman when he said in the interview... I'll use this as another opportunity to tell James Carville to shut the fuck up. Like I said, my man hasn't been relevant since grunge was a thing. And I don't know why he believes it's helpful to say these kinds of things about an incredibly difficult circumstance with an incredibly strong and decent and excellent president. I'll never understand that. They reached out to Carville, and Carville replied, I'm glad he's feeling better. And he also opined about his... Uh, fawning obsequy 
for Israel. But he said uh, the members of his caucus who disagree with that fawning obsequy. I mean, of course, I expect that there will always be a diversity of opinions, and as long as things go, that the Democratic caucus might splinter more. I would be the last man standing to be absolutely there on the Israeli side on this, with no conditions. And it's that no conditions part, isn't it? It's the kill all the kill all the Palestinian children you want condition. Let 39 Palestinian babies asphyxiate without incubators, oxygen. He said, uh, only one side will systematically rape, torture, and mutilate Israeli women and girls in the most unspeakable, awful ways. <sighs> Okie doke. But, you know, when you don't see Palestinian kids as actual humans. So what? But having mentioned Fetterman and the horror uh, in Gaza, I, I do I do have something to go into uh, here in a minute. Because I, I once, I, I did some looking around. And I found one... Uh, Actually, shocking headline. Of course, it doesn't come from American media. It comes from Israeli media. Uh, we'll get to that in short order. There's another, well, another story out from the uh, book published by ABC News Chief Washington Correspondent Jonathan Carl. Tired of winning Donald Trump at the end of the grand old party. It's worth noting that Carl was uh, Jonathan Carl was actually groomed to be a right wing conservative member of the multimillionaire for profit media as a balance against liberal bias. You know the liberal bias that re Republicans are always carping about, but have never actually identified beyond that weird little tome by that weird little dude years ago, Bernie Goldberg. Well, in this book, um, Carl describes speaking with a high-ranking former Trump official who, though anonymous, sounded an alarm about how dangerous Julius Geezer is. And he told Joy Reid all about it. Uh, by his own supporters, it was the people that were closest to him that were talking about whether or not they needed to remove him from office because he was mentally unstable, uh, mentally unable to carry out the duties of the president, and that is Pompeo and Mnuchin. They had both denied it. There is sworn testimony uh, acknowledging that those conversations did happen. They didn't go very far. They didn't have time to go very far. Frankly, as you started to have people resign from the cabinet, there were fewer people in the cabinet that would have voted for it. But they were talking about it. And it's not just uh, those 25th Amendment conversations. I mean, you read that 
statement from an anonymous staffer. I think it's a very important uh, 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 statement. This was something that was given to me by the person who wrote it, um, and he wrote it right after uh, all the details came out about the classified documents. This is a very senior official who spent day in and day out with Donald Trump for over a year uh, in the West Wing. I can't get any further details to who it was, but there was a lot of attention about anonymous, and we later learned um, uh, was Miles Taylor, uh, worked at the Department of Homeland Security. I will tell you, this is somebody who is more senior and spent a lot more time around Donald Trump, who said those words about him because he saw firsthand uh, how he had operated and was conveying this to me. Didn't want to go public, worried about the retribution that we just talked about. This is not somebody who's been out there publicly taking on the president, worried about retribution against the family, um, but deeply concerned uh, about what a second Trump White House would look like. Uh, Jonathan, uh, you know, the the subtitle of your book um, is Donald Trump. And-, and the phrase in question was lethally incompetent. Lethally incompetent. And by the hints that he did give, the little breadcrumbs, we know that the high-ranking administration official is a guy and is more high-ranking than the assistant to a cabinet secretary. The, The entire quote from the book is, he lacks any shred of human decency, humility, or caring. He is morally bankrupt, breathtakingly dishonest, lethally incompetent, and stunningly ignorant of virtually anything related to governing, history, geography, human events, or world affairs. He is a traitor and a malignancy in our nation and represents a clear and present danger to our democracy and the rule of law. And that person, he, is afraid. Because Tangerine Tiberius tries to behave like a mob boss. Nice little family you got to be saying something happened to you. Right? And... Look, I'm not in that situation, so any critique from me is probably not valid. And even if the guy did go public, the maggots wouldn't believe. The maggots wouldn't accept the assessment. So maybe it really doesn't matter, does it? But that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty damning assessment. Morally bankrupt, breathtakingly dishonest, lethally incompetent, stunningly ignorant of everything. He was in fact the Dunning Kruger president. He did not know what he did not know. And didn't care to know. No curiosity. That quote's almost like somebody's been listening to this program. Hi.
And so, and, and then there's the reference to the 25th Amendment, which we probably talked about on this program as more, uh, as, as much or more than anyone else. Any other program. Analyzing it in detail. And although Pompeo and Pence and Lynn, oh no, I don't know. As Carl points out, there is sworn testimony. The conversations took place, but they never went anywhere. Some of the cabinet secretaries just, well, ran away. Because sometimes that's what you do. So what has, uh, what has Newt Whit Nero really in a stew today is the filing from... Jack Smith in D.C. Uh, that's a good question, Ralph. So when are these effing people going to come out and say, I'm so-and-so and Trump is insane? They may never. Unless called to the witness stand and placed under oath. But the thing is, Ralph, it, it, it may not matter. It just may not matter. Nothing will sway. Nothing will sway the maggots from their devotion because this is not politics with them. This is not civil society. This this is this is religious orthodoxy. And and it, since it's a matter of faith, nothing has to be factual. Uh, journalist Tim Alberta gave an interview to the New York Times columnist uh, Jane Coaston on the question of the this being prayer meeting Wednesday uh, looked at the evangelicals and why they are so besotted so smitten with a guy who frankly, isn't a Christian. In even the most remote sense of the word, as uh, Adam Kinzinger pointed out. Uh, hi, Kim. Kim in New York writing. Uh, Jonathan Carl joins the likes of Bob Woodward, Bill Barr, and John Bolton, who, for money's sake, decided to hold off releasing vital information while learning of it like a real journalist working for the common good, instead included it in a book. He deserves no credit. I'm with you. Uh, I've been asking that question for a while now. These, these, these earth-shattering bombshell allegations and accusations... might have been handy in real time. 
now it's just another thing for the maggots to bark fake news about. In the interview with Tim Alberta, uh, Jane Coaston said she was absolutely struck with the, 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 the fact that the evangelicals have what she referred to as a desire for doom. Well, now, you know, the apocalypse, millennialism, Jesus coming back in his holy roles. To, and, and this time he's pissed. Uh, Alberta re- replied to James Coaston and said, I think when you spend so much time swimming in these waters of the end is near, they're coming for us, break yourself, brace yourself for this collision between the forces of good and evil. You actually start to not only anticipate it, but you start to look forward to it. And then pointed out the closure of churches during the pandemic. Uh, which then led the evangelicals to think that there was a government plot to suppress their religion. You know, as opposed to a pandemic that was ki- that, that killed over a million Americans. Alberta said, when Gavin Newsom says, hey, we're shutting down houses of worship as a public health measure for a few weeks here, suddenly it was, I think for so many of these people, it was like the prophecy was being fulfilled. Oh, God. And then there's the number of American citizens. Uh, Here's a photo of three of them. In matching dude bro t-shirts that say, and it's got a picture of Nitwit Nero in profile with a halo, and, and the O is that haloed profile in God we trump no kidding Denison University political scientist Paul Jupa did a poll a survey and found that 30% of Americans Believe, there's the most dangerous word in the English language again, y'all. Believe that Tangerine Tiberius was anointed by God to become president. And in an article in The Economist, they pulled at that thread and found that it leads back to one of the Gospel Sharps that we have from time to time talked about on Prayer Meeting Wednesday. Lance Wall now. Who has been arguing that Nitwit Nero was God's personal pick for the White House. In the Economist article it said, Adherents believe that God wants them to build his kingdom on earth, hindering them are demons who govern vast swaths of the planet. To use a metaphor favored by Mr. Wall now, these demons control... Oh, God, here we go. At least y'all know what this means. Seven mountains, each symbolizing a sphere of life. Family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. (sighs) 
and the economist even manages to make it jibe with or to point out the uh, the relationship between that belief system, that mindset, and say, oh, the domestic terror attack of January 6, 2021. Prophets battled the evil spirits embedded in the Capitol by praying, their voices amplified on a PA system. Protesters blew shofars, ram's horns, which they believe can summon the forces of heaven. Many protesters brandished flags emblazoned with the words, an appeal to heaven. The apostles' rallying cry for a Christian conquest of America. It's this bad now. Can you only imagine the fascist dystopia they want to bring us? Oh, and uh, uh, we're... uh, Half hour into the program. So, there's a uh, have a show on me offer on the table. Our kind, anonymous internet friend has said, uh, I'll give up to a have a show on me if you can raise up to a $150 in a two for one tripling challenge. So, all we got to do is raise $150 and we can. Get pretty close to down. Uh, we can knock down. Uh, we can get almost to the two thousand dollar deficit mark. That would be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So ten at fifteen bucks, fifteen people at ten bucks, one at one fifty, two at seventy five. Oh goodness, four at thirty four fifty, etc. Thank you, kind anonymous internet friend. Um, Emilio, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm of two minds on this. I don't know if uh, I, I don't I don't know if that that's within their terms of service. And secondly, well, uh, Emilio's asking a question here, and this might be better suited to the uh, the Horn Legal Department. There is no horn legal department. Uh, Emilio wants to know if I w- if I would mind and wouldn't um, publicizing a GoFundMe page for his brother's uh, legal issues stemming from a DUI. Um, he wants to have somebody better than a court appointed attorney. He hasn't finished the page. I just wanted to know how you felt about it. I, we can I. It, but the, the the question is, will a GoFundMe bring in enough money in enough time to hire counsel and deal with it, uh, with the, the issues surrounding it? Honestly, um, public defenders, court-appointed counsel, Deal with DUIs on a pretty regular basis, and you might be surprised at how good the lawyer is. A lot of people who go into private criminal practice uh, cut their teeth, so to speak, 
as public defenders. Uh, but I'll wait and see if we hear anything from any thoughts from like Billable or um, Steve. And thoughts generally. But uh, please know that my thoughts do go to your brother. Sorry that happened. Um, and I hope he can get out of it without being absolutely broken by it. Because they're expensive. Even getting, even, you know, getting a deal or something that doesn't involve jail time. Um, the, the fees can be enormous. The, uh, you know, punishments, fines and the like, court costs. Um, uh, Lou with a couple of notes. Uh, or a note. Uh, Donald Trump is simply a middle finger to the establishment, a la the Tishborn matter in the UK. Uh, yeah, that and more, though, Lou, I think. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't watch. And it's driving me crazy. Uh, George and Corskull said the Mountaineers are just getting underway in the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. Uh, the peak West Virginia bowl game. They're sending a West Virginia football team to a bowl game named after mayonnaise. Yeah, that's in, uh, that's about, oh, four hours southeast of here. That's in Charlotte. And uh, a challenge coming from Balmer Bob. I saw this earlier today, and it sent me to uh, this news item, not the note from Palmer Bob. It sent me to view some clips from long gone by. $50 challenge. This challenge is in memory of Tom Smothers, who died yesterday at 86 after a struggle with stage 2 lung cancer. Tommy was one of those rare comedians who could make me laugh as soon as he appeared on stage. He and his younger brother, Dick are best remembered for their battle with CBS over their outspoken opposition to the Vietnam War. Tom was also an actor, a musician, a composer, a competitive unicyclist, and a state champion in a state champion gymnast in the parallel bars. He played acoustic guitar during the recording of John Lennon's 1969 song, Give Peace a Chance. Thank you for that, Bob. And thank you for the, 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 the kindness of that uh, of that in memoriam. And Tommy Smothers always played a uh, he was he was he was the simpleton foil to his terribly serious brother Dickie. And they made it work hilariously. Um, Todd with a note. Insider, Mulvaney. Hello, Robin. Hi, Todd. For some reason, I think maybe many of the insiders know the orange one is a mentally ill fascist. MILF. Notice the fallout. Most that much evidence points to fascist behavior, including, but not limited to, the fear of retribution from the brown shirts slash skirts. Just couple this with the MILF's own words recently. Rot in hell. Remember, he told us he was a snake on numerous occasions. Uh, 
True on all counts, Todd. So true. Thank you to David in uh, Oregon getting us started this evening. Uh, the $150 tripling challenge is down to 140 Thank you, David. Hopefully we'll get there and then... Um, and then we'll get, uh, uh, and then we'll knock out uh, Bolmer Bob's Tommy Smothers challenge, and that would, in fact, let's see, yeah, that would get us down to just about the two thousand dollar deficit mark. That would be so helpful, Nidia, uh, with a note regarding DUI. Uh, Nidia is in behavioral health so she knows of which she speaks. Most courts now will order the individual into treatment these days as it's more effective and due to jail overcrowding. Most people with a DUI have already engaged in multiple instances before getting caught. It is, in a way, a blessing to get the DUI as it's a wake-up call. It can be if the person in question hears the alarm. Thank you, Nidia. And on to Mullah Mike Moses Johnson. Might be time to call him 3M Johnson. Mullah Moses Mike. Mullah Mike Moses. He had a conversation with uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw of Texas. You know, yar. And there was some There was some hand-wringing and pearl-clutching going on between the two. Speaking to Dan Crenshaw, uh, Mullah Moses Mike said in a discussion of why women, and who could imagine, why women are leaving the Republican Party. I mean, why? Really, why? I mean, why, why, why wouldn't women just stay in a party where a party that wants to take the United States of America and use uh, use the Handmaid's Tale not as a cautionary warning but as a blueprint? And so that was yeah, that was the question uh, because of st- a statistic, statistical numbers showing that college-educated women generally prefer Democrats instead of Republicans. Tis a puzzlement. Well, he had a he he had the answer for Dan Crenshaw, Mullah Mike Moses did. Uh, the reasons that the Republican Party is attracting less and less more highly educated voters is because they spent so much time in the academy, and the universities are run usually by liberals almost entirely, and sometimes by radical liberals, socialists, and others, and so these students are being indoctrinated instead of educated, which is a hilarious thing to say in light of the fact that none other than Jerry Falwell Jr., Becker, recently said that his daddy founded the Liberty University grift. 
solely as a political operation to indoctrinate kids to be little right-wing hooligans. On the other hand, just say, trust me, I was liberal before I went to college. And if only I had known about the radical liberal math classes or the radical liberal biology classes or the, I guess my geology classes were radically liberal. At at least, though, uh, Mullah Moses Mike uh, is getting roasted. Here's the here's the clip in question of these two members of the MAGA Brain Brain Trust. If you look at the data, you realize. The reason that, for example, the Republican Party is attracting less and less uh, more highly educated uh, voters is because they spend so much time in the academy. And the universities are run at the faculty level, the administration level, usually by liberals almost mm-hmm. almost entirely, and sometimes by radical liberals, right, uh, socialists and others. Yeah. And so uh, these students are being indoctrinated instead of educated. So these voices and these opportunities are so critically important just so that they're exposed to the other side. And if we abandon those forums, then we, we effectively yield that whole marketplace of ideas to one side. And that, that does not serve the interests of the country. And if you look at... Right. As one respondent put it, uh, these people that are considered adults in college are being indoctrinated because they can't think for themselves. Well, anyways, sorry you got raped at 12, Jenny, but you're about to be a mom now because you can't have an abortion. Welcome to adulthood. Also a quote from Robespierre. The secret of freedom lies in educating people, whereas the secret of tyranny is in keeping them ignorant. The ratio on this is amazing. He's getting burnt to a center. You mean for the first time young adults get to have critical thinking, open dialogue, free conception of thought, diversity, possibility, and develop into their best sense of separate a sense of self-separate from what they were forced into as babies in the church? Someone simply calling themselves the Grinch said, Great that the Speaker of the House is a total nut job. The worst enemy of the Republican Party is education. That's why Republicans are banning books and trying to turn public education into religious education. That's why they don't want to forgive student loans. Educated people will cause their extinction. But it's no surprise, really. I mean, Dobbs versus Jackson women's health is plenty. 
Oh, I know. Ralph saying, Kel Ora. May we, may we. Oh, here's a, 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 a reading selection from our dear friend Theo. Yet another crucial book anticipating Nitwit Nero. Hey, Ms. Robin. Hey, Theo. If anybody anticipated our disastrous millennial president, it was the late Dr. Stephen Jay Gould in his superb work, Questioning the Millennium, A Rationalist's Guide to a Precisely Arbitrary Countdown. Uh, it was published in 1997. Dr. Gould lays out the history of American millennialist religious movements, some silly, the Seventh-day Adventist Church was born from one of these. Some tragic, the massacre of Native Americans at Wounded Knee, South Dakota, stemmed from such. It's a sadly neglected work, and one which would explain much of our present political dilemma at the hands of zealous true believers. I think I probably need to read that. Stephen J. Gould was brilliant. Uh, Two things. From Stephen, New York. One, Mountaineers just scored. Let's go! Two, I don't mean to be maudlin or self-centered, but can the horn please send me some good vibes? I'm at the airport just after my partner dropped me off from my trip back to New York. The word sad just doesn't capture it. Oh, I understand, Steve. Yeah, sad doesn't capture it. Um, And you get all the good vibes. I can can feel them. Uh, I can feel them uh, going out even as we speak. No, sad doesn't capture it. Bereft. Bereft is a good one for that feeling. Uh, And it's hard to feel. And, well, let's just say I understand. I do. And we take um, we take our little victories where we can get them. And this is some good news. Thank you to Ralphs. Looks like the Wisconsin districts are illegal, I think. So I'll offer a $25 challenge for Justice Protosawitz. Thank you, Ralphs. So that means we've got a chance to, let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a chance to raise hundred uh, no, $225. That's 150 on on the anonymous challenge, 50 on the Tommy Smothers challenge, and 25 on Ralph's Yay Wisconsin challenge. Uh, if we can raise 225, that turns into um, enough to get us below the $2,000 mark in terms of our deficit. Thank you, Ralph's. Uh, there's a, a bit of audio on the uh, Wisconsin story. You know, Wisconsin, because of the gerrymandering, has been uh, in the clutches of first teabaggers and then the maggots, and maybe maybe there's a crack in the armor. Let's see. 
Hey guys, welcome back to today's video. Today is Saturday, December 23rd, 2023, and today we are going to be talking about the state of Wisconsin and a massive victory the Democrats have won in this state according to the state Supreme Court that just struck down Wisconsin's legislative maps on an issue that it violated the state's constitutional uh, mandate that legislative districts must be continuous. In this 4-3 to three decision, the state of Wisconsin is now mandating that the legislative maps are entirely redrawn, sending it back to the Republican legislature. But if they cannot agree with the Democratic governor, Tony Evers, well, Wisconsin will be set to send new maps to the courts from both sides of the aisle and the Wisconsin Supreme Court will choose the ultimate map. This decision from the liberal justices, a four to three decision, liberal justices to conservative justices, is one that has been a long time coming. When Democrats won the Wisconsin Senate race, or not Senate race, uh, legislative race, or not legislative race, sorry, Supreme Court race back in 2023, it was a major victory for Democrats all across the country. Because it showed that in a state like Wisconsin, number one, in an off election year, Democrats were able to win. It was a very, very big victory. It was one that really showed that Roe v. Wade and the issue of abortion was very prevalent, especially in elections where maybe not everybody is paying attention. But in Wisconsin, it was a show of display that Democrats still had a very strong backing and support of people who vote at a very high rate, very different than things that we had known prior to. But that was the national takeaway. That was what we talked about on this channel. We talked about how this was going to have implications for how Democrats approach state Supreme Court races, how they were going to go about replicating Janet Protasiewicz, how to become the next turn in states like Pennsylvania, which they did this coming November, this past November. But the very big implications that weren't really discussed too heavily are the implications of what this meant for the statewide level in the state of Wisconsin. Officially, for the first time in a long time, Wisconsin had a liberal majority on their state Supreme Court. And just one day after Janet Protasiewicz was sworn in as a justice, Democratic plaintiffs went on the offense against Republicans and put forth a case here to get new legislative maps. And as is said very angrily by the conservative justices in the Wisconsin court, these arguments about non-continuous districts were not raised during the conservative majority, but rather during the liberal one. But just as the Republican uh, Senate leader here has actually said very accurately for this map, too is that the decision on this race, the decision on these legislative, legislative maps was decided before the case was even brought forth before the court. And so this is actually a bit of contention back in uh, the Wisconsin race. I don't know if you entirely remember, but looking back at the 2023 race, Janet Protasiewicz, when she was campaigning, said that the maps were unfair, that they were illegal, that should she be in a position to be a Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin, she would back striking them down. So she sort of campaigned on an anti-gerrymandering uh, portion, portion of her campaign. Uh, the Republicans were completely in the offense, even threatening to try to impeach her because they do have a supermajority, which may no longer last now that the legislative maps have to be redrawn. But that was since walked back because many Republicans actually were unwilling to get on board with impeaching somebody that voters had just backed by 10 10 points across the state. They knew the electoral pushback should that come to fruition. But the Wisconsin State Supreme Court now with the liberal uh, with a. I think we get a pretty good idea of what that means. And I, I think the um, the um, um, presenter there pretty much nailed it. They may be. Uh, Uh, they being the Republican majority there, uh, maybe uh, finally 
have numbered days. And because some of those Lulus up there uh, still don't understand. I don't know. Maybe they're like Mullah Moses Mike. I don't know why they're leaving the Republican Party. I mean, we love women and everything so much. Want to keep them nice and barefoot and pregnant? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Christopher. Christopher Young just just jumped in. Said, uh, slow season here, but always happy to help when able. Let's all get these challenges met, y'all. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you so much. It's so helpful. And another individual wishing to remain anonymous jumped in. And so we are now down to $170 to go. $170 to go to, uh, no, what am I saying? Sorry, one, uh, uh, $120 to go on the tripling challenge, the Have a Show on Me tripling challenge, $130 to go on that, and then after that, 50 and then after that, 25 courtesy of Baltimore Bob and Ralphs. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Oh, let's see now. Okay, we did that. Uh, what? No, what I mentioned earlier. Apparently, um, the new filing from Jack Smith is really getting under Nitwit Nero's skin. He is said to be privately scared to death about going to prison. Uh, And now in this latest uh, filing from the special prosecutor, I guess it would be taken as a motion in limine. And he is asking the court to tell Nitwit Nero that he can't just babble anything he wants to. Uh, for instance, he says the, the, the filing says that uh, Marcus Horalius shouldn't be able to uh, blame law enforcement or the D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser for not protecting the Capitol on January 6, 2021. And if he saw the quote, I'm sure the walls are running red at Magaloco this evening. A bank robber cannot defend himself by blaming the bank's security guard for failing to stop him. A fraud defendant cannot claim to the jury that his victim should have known better than to fall for his scheme. And the defendant cannot argue that law enforcement should have prevented the violence that he caused and obstruction he intended. Jack Smith compared him to a burglar, a bank robber, a uh, con man. And uh, Nitwit Nero, of course, has donkey ears. 
It's so sad that the Supreme Court just unanimously rejected his desperate attempt to rush this witch hunt that he is ignoring the law and clear instructions from District Court Judge Chuckson, who unequivocally stated that this case is stayed and that there should be no litigation. And it's only stayed until the court takes it up and rules. So, in addition... Jack Smith also said uh, he should not be allowed to blame others. Yeah. Antifa! Everybody knows it was Black Lives Everybody knows it was Black Lives Matter in White Base. And so, uh, in the filing... Jack Smith's team says, uh, through public statements, filings, and argument and hearings before the court, the defense has attempted to inject into this case partisan political attacks and irrelevant and prejudicial issues that have no place in a jury trial. Yes, you're right, Ralph. Sick burn for Jack Smith. (laughs) And uh, making his argument, the prosecution said... Although the court can recognize these efforts for what they are and disregard them, the jury, if subjected to them, may not. The court should not permit the defendant to turn the courtroom into a forum in which he propagates irrelevant disinformation and should reject his attempt to inject politics into this proceeding. The special counsel argues that Trump has suggested he intends to impeach the integrity of the investigation by raising wholly false claims such as the government's non-existent coordination with the Biden administration and other empty allegations recycled from the selective vindictive prosecution motion that he based on anonymous sources in newspaper articles. They also want him to be barred from using his cute little catchphrases like the Injustice Department, the Biden indictment, or similar phrases in front of the jury. Deranged Jack Smith. That black lady in the black robe. Unelected. Yeah. Fake electors. So while he, yeah, he gets a little, he gets a little victory here and there in terms of delay. The walls are still closing in around him, and there was even more today. And this probably, you're right, Darlene, Darlene in Connecticut noting, uh, oh now Jack Smith's just toying with with Nero. I'm beginning to like this Jack Smith. I mean, yeah. He knows how to not tolerate bullshit from autocratic thugs. World court um, experience and whatnot. But he's, every day he gives Nitwit Nero a little bit more to worry about. So he asked the court that when 
Trial witnesses are cross-examined by the defense that the defense be barred from asking any questions that would cause them to to violate attorney-client privilege or the speech and debate clause of the Constitution. And according to uh, Lisa Rubin over at MSNBC, she said it's just a way for Jack Smith to say, <laughs> look what I'm going to do, and make the brain worms uh, swim futilely around amongst the spirochetes sloshing around between the orange ears of Nitwit Nero. Thinking that he's telegraphing, perhaps, that he does intend to call people who are under the speech and debate clause. The court having ruled that, yes, it applies to members of Congress, but it also applied to Mike Pencilneck Geek. Or that it could be witnesses to Conversations heard. Or saw him do things. Things that could prove that yes, indeed, Nitwit Nero did um, continue to encourage and foment the insurrection and people's miserable behavior. Domestic terrorist behavior. Uh, Brother Deacon Asa with a question. Uh, Were these BLM insurrectionists in whiteface also carrying little squeeze bottles of mayonnaise with them as they marched into the Capitol building? Asking for a friend. Mayonnaise, yes. M-A-N, capital M-A-N, little N-A-I-S-E. Mm-hmm. You know, if only they'd only smeared mayonnaise on the wall. But, no, we know what they did. So now he's wondering, Nitwit Nero is, just exactly uh, which other Republicans are going to flip on him. And he responded to the court filing by running over to Tripe Social and posting a tripe, uh, declaring that na- declaring that now motion practice, no really, motion practice in the court of law by lawyers admitted to that bar is illegal. Motion practice. Crooked Joe Biden's errand boy, deranged Jack Smith. His pettifoggers are never going to get it through to him that this doesn't help. That if he gets convicted, every one of these words are going to be used in the post-sentence investigation or post-conviction investigation report. 
Corker Bi- Joe Biden's errand boy, deranged Jack Smith, is obsessed with attacking your favorite president, me, and with interfering in the 2024 presidential election, which I am dominating. Today's pathetic motion is not just illegal, it is also another unconstitutional attempt to take away my First Amendment rights and to prevent me from saying the truth that all of these hoaxes are nothing but a political persecution of me, the MAGA movement, and the Republican Party by Crooked Joe and his despicable thugs. And that's exactly what Jack Smith said in his filing that he wanted to make sure Nitwit Nero didn't do in court. I'm a victim of the radical left, communists, Marxists, and fascists, and they're all trying to silence me. Remember that song, Silence is Golden? Yeah. Thank you, Nina. We are now down to $110 to go on the True Tripling Have a Show on Me Challenge. Thank you, Nina. So, after that, we'll do uh, Balmer Bob's Challenge, and after that, Ralph's Challenge, and hopefully we get down below uh, $2,000 with two days left in December broadcast days errand boy and now he's mad at a MAGA think tank this is funny the America First Policy Institute that's a tax exempt grift uh, a think tank if that word can even be appropriately used And it's got folks like uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, Brooke Rollins, a domestic policy aide who runs it. And he's having a hissy saying, I want the money. Give me the money. You've been making a fortune off of me. <laughs> Uh, they're raking in big checks and they're not giving me a piece of the action. I just want to wet my beak. <sighs> they owe me millions of dollars. They're using my brand. It's my fucking money. She's making a killing off my name. It's not right. Um. Nonetheless, in the Rolling Stone story, they point out that AFPI is a tax-exempt educational nonprofit and is expressly barred under the IRS rules from spending money on elections or donating to a political candidate like Trump. In other words, it's the perfect dodge. He can't touch it. 
given that Trump is a candidate for office, paying him personally could be seen as attempting to aid a political campaign. One of the experts pointed out that the tax-exempt nonprofits must also operate for public benefit, and they cannot disproportionately benefit private individuals or pay them more than fair market value for their ser- services. So no money for you, Nitwit Nero. They're stealing me blind. They're robbing me. I want my cut. But uh, I, uh, I, I, I do. I, I Schadenfreude. It is funny. <laughs> there was a the, the monkey up Declantis gave an interview, and they put him in a leather chair. Uh, yes, uh, Stephen New York, the Marxist left. That's Chico, Harpo, Groucho, Gummo, and Zeppo. Yeah, don't leave out Gummo and Zeppo. Marxist left. What left? Anyway, they put it, and, and so in the chair, it, it seated, seated in this chair with the microphone, uh, boom, extended before his face, uh, monkey up, looks, as Anna Navarro pointed out in a, uh, a post over at former Twitter, it's a podcast interview, and, and, and he looks tiny. He, he looks like a munchkin. Anna Navarro said, DeSantis is so small. Retweeting the and quoting the intellectualist, DeSantis looks so incredibly small in this interview. Uh, former Florida Attorney General candidate Daniel Yulfelder said, uh, DeSantis should sit out the rest of the campaign. Ha. I love that DeSantis' campaign keeps posting video, this video of him without his booster seat. Another individual saying, why does Ron DeSantis look like a child in that chair? Uh, one, uh, uh, someone named Jeff Timmer said, this is actually proof that his own staff hates him. There's no other explanation for letting him be in that chair. And then there's the white go-go boots. Uh, filmmaker Jillian Hurley said, it feels like DeSantis' own people hate him. Am I wrong? Miss Gender on Twitter said, uh, my favorite thing about Ron DeSantis is how it constantly looks like it hurts to be him. What and then what the fuck happened to Ron DeSantis? Is he a presidential candidate or a member of the fucking Lollipop Guild? And I and, and it's it's you know it's got to be either making her laugh or driving Casey DeClantis up a wall. You know, if I'd been the one who was running, I would have won, you little pipsqueak. And apparently three expert shoemakers 
are saying that Monkey Up is wearing lifts in his shoes. Thanks, Ralphs. All the insecurities. So Nitwit Nero will probably be having a field day with that photo. And it's the pose and everything. He's kind of got his arms closed in, his shoulders rolled in, and his hands together. And he looks like a little boy. He looks like he's just been caught with his with his pants potted. And now the maggots are calling uh, Texas Junior Senator Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America. They're accusing him of being in the closet. Boop. No, no, not that closet. He's a closeted DeSantis supporter. Uh, none other than Laura Looney put that out there. Despite the fact that President Trump holds a commanding lead in the Republican primary polls heading into the Iowa caucus, Senator Ted Cruz has yet to endorse President Donald Trump in his race against globalist Nikki Haley and absentee Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, leading many to believe that Cruz may be a closeted DeSantis supporter. And then Roger Stone chimed in. Why do people who meet him take an instantaneous dislike to Ted Cruz? Simple. They're merely saving time. What they don't understand is Ted Cruz doesn't care. Ted Cruz has no self-respect. Ted Cruz let Donald Trump shit all over his wife, his father, his entire family, and said, well, it's okay if you want to sh- if you want to shit on us some more, that's fine, boss. We kind of like that. And, uh, well, let's go out to North Dakota for a minute, shall we? There is a member of the North Dakota State Legislature, Nico Rios, and Nico's in a bit of hot water. Emilio told me, told us about what his brother's going through. Well, something similar happened to good God of here and upstanding Bible, believing Christ-centered evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian, Republican, Nico Rios. He got pulled over for D, uh, suspicion of DUI. And behaved like the MAGA asshole that he is. And his behavior was so atrocious that even even Republican members of the legislature uh, 
are calling for his resignation. Uh, we've got the uh, audio here. No, you know, okay. I'm just like I said. I'm going to give you guys my card to let you know. No, I don't want your card. I need your registration, buddy. Hey, I'm not. I'm going to find f whatever you guys are looking for. Can I ask a question? Uh, how long's that open bottle of Corona been back there? Nice three, four days. Three or four days? Okay, then. Uh, wait, do you know where your registration is in the vehicle? Uh, at least... Wait, is this North Dakota or... What? This, the accent kind of threw me for a minute. Um, April 24. Would you know where it is in the vehicle? I, there's, there, 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 there's, there, there's no op an open bottle of liquor. There, 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 I can see there's a glass bottle of, I believe it to be Corona back there. I was just asking. Yeah, but I can assure you that I live two blocks away. Okay. Have you had any alcohol to drink tonight? Not in like, what is it? It's uh, midnight? Like six, seven hours. Yeah, it's uh, 11.40 right now. Six, seven hours. Oh, okay. How much do you have, do you have to drink? Uh, three, three or four beers. Three or four beers? Where was it? Uh, at the restaurant at okay. Famous Days. Another secondary question. This is expired by like four months. Do you have like a newer one or a more recent one? I definitely do. Okay, that's totally fine. So where'd you get that wristband at? Uh, probably the f whatever club that is f***ing by next to, uh... Just the random F-bombs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Next to, uh... What you missed was him trying to hand him a business card and say, You're going to regret picking on me. Slater's? The club player Slater's. Okay. okay. When, when, when were you there? This is what I'm going to have you do. Okay? Like two hours ago. Okay. Because okay. you have that wristband on and there's an open container in your car. We're going to do them to have you step out of the vehicle, okay? Hey, that open container was like a few weeks ago. Yep, well, you know, you can't have an open container in the state of North Dakota, okay? So I'm going to have you step out of the vehicle, okay? Can you let, let, can, can give me five seconds? Nope. Can you unlock the vehicle so we can step out and you're going to come out? Okay. All right, let's step back. Okay. Nope, that's totally fine. I just wanted to, you know. Nope, we're just oh, having a quick fine. little conversation. Okay. I'm happy to do it. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I can do it. I I'm feel so... Right, what I'm going to do? Yes, sir. I, so. I, I, I don't mean to be any... No, you're good. So you said it's been six hours since you had your last drink? Yes, sir. Okay, then. So... 7 p.m. It's like 2 a.m. now. Okay. I live two blocks away. Right. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I want to conduct a, a series of field sobriety tests, okay, to make yes, sure you're good to drive. Because I smell alcohol in your breath and you, you're slurring your words a little. And I said with the, the Slater's wristband, but you said you're coming from Famous Dave's. Um, so I just want to run some uh, field sobriety tests. Are you happy to do that? Absolutely. Why not? Also, okay. dispatch right to Delta. Okay, I don't mean to cause gas. Nope. I'm being roadside. I'm just driving. It's not deprivation period. Alright. So. Yeah, do Williston, North Dakota. The audio was. Do something. Can I have you open up your mouth and take your. Open up your mouth? Nope, not blow it. Yeah. Lift your tongue up. Lift your tongue up to the roof of your mouth. Perfect. Thank you. Alright. You're good. You can stop. 
So, like I say, if you just stay standing, you're over your feet to come and hands on my side. What I'm actually going to do, we're going to go over... We're going to do some calisthenics now. <sighs> but it's not the fact that, I mean, he's been charged with, uh, 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 let's see, uh, open container. Uh, driving under the influence and refusing a chemical test. And in the course of, and this video goes on for another 18 minutes, and they they note that uh, he was verbally abusive, homophobic, racially abusive, and discriminatory toward responding officer Welch for the entire duration of the incident following roadside testing. Uh, he called the officer homophobic slurs, uh, started screaming about migrants who are rapists, and he was going to tell on an on a, he was going to tell on the officers to Attorney General Drew Wrigley. Um, last week, Drew Wrigley, the Attorney General, said, "No, I haven't heard from him." What? So the uh, House Majority Leader, Mike LaFour, said, uh, There is no room in the legislature or our party for this behavior. (laughs) Representative, uh, uh, I I think it was one of your senators, one of your two senators, son mowed down a cop couple of weeks back. No room in our party for this behavior. I understand people make mistakes, but his comments and defiance to law enforcement are beyond the pale. In addition, any lawmaker attempting to use his or her elected position to threaten anyone or skirt the law is completely unacceptable if anybody catches them doing it. I added that last part because he's a Republican. And so uh, Rios is trying to do some damage control now. He apologized for the incident. And then he said, inebriated or not, my actions and words to law enforcement that night were absolutely unacceptable. Moving forward after this night, I feel like I have to emphasize my complete and total commitment to supporting law enforcement. I messed up big time, and I'm truly sorry, and I got caught. Um, This led to another statement from a legislator, another Republican. Uh, GOP Chairwoman Sandy Sanford said, He endangered the community he was elected to serve and disrespected peace officers. This violates our core values as Republicans. I support the House leader's decision to call for his resignation. In other words, the majority in North Dakota is big enough that they can lose one, one dickhead and not be particularly worried about it. I 
I know. That's North Dakota. Steve in New York writes, about now that guy's wondering, yeah, the hell did all end up in Australia? Never knew they sounded like that in North Dakota. I didn't have time to get through the full 17 minutes so we could hear him losing his shit. And it's a reminder. It goes back to, uh, it reminds me of, uh, what was it? uh, Yeah, Mel Gibson's DUI arrest by a woman uh, somewhere in the greater Los Angeles area when he said that he was being arrested for DUI because of the Jews. It doesn't make you, being, being blitzed does not make you say things that you think aren't true. It makes you say things that you may, your filter manages to keep out of the general flow of conversation when you're not blasted. Migrant rapists got me drunk! Oh, my aching back. Well, like I said, little victories. At least he wasn't caught with a dead girl or a live boy. Although the immigrant, the migrant rapist's line tells us a little bit about where his noggin is. And speaking of which, did you, have you have you caught the uh, the breathless stories in the last couple of days about the migrant caravan that's on the way? You know, if you'd been in a cave or something for a few years. And you stepped out into the sunlight, and the first thing you heard was, There's a migrant caravan headed for the southern border! You would immediately know what, what, when, what time it was, what day. Oh, migrant caravan. Yeah, must be an election going on. The migrant caravans head for the southern border every time, every time a Republican wants to terrorize Emory and Marveline that sitting there in their matching Barca loungers in their single wide in the Ballerina Swan Lake uh, Trailer Court and Country Club. Migrant caravan! Brooga, 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 brooga. Warble, whoosh, migrant caravan, immigrants, aliens! Southern border, ISIS, MS-13, Arf. <sighs> It's that time of year. Strap on, because we're uh, strap in, but not on. And strap in because we're in for a bumpy ride, y'all. Uh, uh, Ralphs, is, is this the six billion migrant caravan? The very one, Ralphs. First cowbell of the night for Ralphs. Anybody got a Mountaineer score for me? I'll help. Just wonder. If, <sighs> just update here and there, yeah, please. 
So $120 to go on the uh, uh, $150 tripling challenge. And there's $75 in challenges after that. Gosh, it would be great to meet all of those, pay a bill. Thanks to everyone making the challenges. We are at the halfway point of the program, and if uh, any of you want to engage in some conversation, you are more than welcome so to do. Stress lines open, 844-843-4676-844, the horn. Standard telephone line, 304-574-8178, 574-8178, area code 304. And then Skype, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. And any of those will get you into the conversation lickety-split. Uh, thank you, Ralphs. Um, my beloved Mountaineers are up 7-3 to three on the University of North Carolina at the moment in the Mayonnaise Bowl. Wonder if it's a little sloppy. Stop it. Apropos of nothing. And when I saw this headline, the first thing that popped into my mind was Landshark. Well, apparently there's another invasion going on. Government officials in Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina are now issuing warnings about a potentially invasive species, the blue land crab. They are said to be spreading through Georgia up the Atlantic coast into South Carolina, Stan, into North Carolina, Stan, and bringing with them, I don't know. Uh, But the Georgia Department of Natural Resources, Wildlife Resources Division said they got multiple reports about the blue land crab. They are said to be five to six inches with one claw bigger than the other. And they range in color, even though they're the blue land crab from white to gray to blue. That's all dependent on sex and age. And the officials in Georgia said, uh, while, we, while we are uncertain about the potential ecological and economic risks these crabs pose, we are currently concerned about damage caused by their extensive burrowing. As a new non-native species in our state, we need more information about these crabs and are asking for the public's help. That was Jim Page, WRD Aquatic Nuisance Species Program Manager. Uh, That's uh, Wildlife Resources Division. Aquatic Nuisance Species Program Manager. I guess that would be nutrias and apparently blue land crabs. Um, Native habitat is in Florida and Texas. There's an invasion! But they are native from Brazil to South Florida. 
In Florida, there's actually a, a season on blue land crab fishing. Nothing in here about whether they're good eating or not. South Carolinians have been on the lookout and told to report any sightings of blue land crabs since September 2022. And it was first seen in North Carolina in summer 2023, a few months back. Kind of badass looking critters. Ah, there we go. Can you eat the blue land crab? Yes, though catching them may be a different story. Uh, the uh, uh, Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences says that it's been overfished for culinary consumption in the Bahamas and the Caribbean. And they, uh, they, they burrow deep in the ground and they only come out when the rain floods them out. Uh, the uh, uh, University of Florida does point out that uh, they are capable of inflicting a memorable pinch. I knew someone was going to ask that. Billable Rick gets the cowbell for getting there first. Is the blue land crab related to the Alabama sex clam? I was just waiting. Uh, you're probably on a plane, Steve, so uh, otherwise I would have expected you to be first past the post on that. And, uh, oh, 7-3 to three WVU with seven minutes left in the second quarter. Thank you, Billable. Thanks, for, uh, thanks everybody, for keeping me in the loop there. Hang on, Mountaineers, hang on. And thank you to uh, uh, Todd. Thank you for truth-telling. Maybe this is why Malloy in Georgia taps you for your excellence and professionalism. Please make the most of this small token of appreciation. Thank you. Well, that gets us down to, well, let's do it this way. Thank you, Charlene in Rogues Island. The challenge is met. The uh, have a show on me, true tripling challenge is met. Thank you, Charlene. And now we are, we have only $40 to go on Baltimore Bob's uh, Tom Smothers in memoriam challenge. Thank you so much, Todd. And a note coming in from uh, uh, Lou who said, I am concerned the Gaza slaughter will cause all too many younger voters to stay at home or not vote for Biden. I am too. Because it's it's one of those situations where the perfect becomes the enemy of the good. And it's horribly worrisome. And our our fawning obsequiousness becomes less and less tenable. I guess that's why people like John Fetterman are out there uh, braying as loudly as they can. But I wanted to I wanted to bring up something because I did a little bit of um, research earlier today 
And I found numerous publications, and in particular, read the thoughts of a genuine, no kidding, Israeli university historian. The historian's name is uh, Daniel Blattman. Daniel Blattman is oh I had his bio up here he's a he, he is a um, Holocaust historian uh, a professor at the Institute for Contemporary Jewry at the Hebrew University. He has expertise in the Holocaust, Nazism, fascism, genocide, and Eastern European Jewry during the Holocaust. He is central to the formation of the Warsaw Ghetto Museum. So he's not some just some jerk with an opinion. And he's been studying the rise of fascism in Israel uh, going back um, into the previous decade. It was 2017 when um, Daniel Blattman wrote an article which has proven to have been more prophetic than historic, because he predicted that Israel was on a fast track to fascism and the end of whatever semblance of democracy Israel practiced. He nailed it. Among other things, he said, Daniel Blattman did, there are neo-Nazi ministers within the Israeli government. That's not me paraphrasing. He says there are neo-Nazi ministers in the Israeli government. He said, Israeli society was ripe to receive the present government. Not because of Likud's victory, but because the most extreme wing pulled everyone after it. What was once extreme right in Israel is today center. Ideas that were once on the fringes have become legitimate. 
As a historian whose field is the Holocaust and Nazism, it's hard for me to say this, but there are neo-Nazi ministers in the government today. You don't see that anywhere else, not in Hungary, not in Poland. Ministers who ideologically are pure racists. Poland and Hungary have been lurching to the right. But Blattman sees what's happening in Israel as unique. And sees Israeli society as having been radicalized. There is a large mass that does not sanctify democratic and liberal values. What we're seeing today is a kind of genie that is bursting from the bottle. And I'm not sure it can be stopped. I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm afraid. I think that a demonstration of 100,000 or 200,000 won't help. If two million people don't rise up now and fight for democracy, fight for liberalism, the conclusion must be that Israeli society accepts what's going on, that fascism is already there. I think it's important to note that every quote that I just read didn't happen day before yesterday. It was not uttered on October the 8th, 2023, nor on November the 1st, nor December the 1st. Every quote about the rise of Israeli fascism comes from February the 14th, 2023. Long before the October 7th attacks. Daniel Blattman, Professor Blattman, went on and said that uh, uh, Bibi Netanyahu has all the typical earmarks of a populist leader. He noted the uh, one particular name, and I looked the guy up, and holy shit, Blattman's not kidding. The National Security Minister is a real creep named Itamar Ben-Gavir. He has been the Minister of National Security since 2022. He's the leader of a political party in Israel called Atzma Yehudit, which translates as Jewish power. They are decidedly racist. They despise any and all Arabs, be they Muslims or Christians. They are as right-wing as right-wing can get. They're fascist. Uh, Various descriptors for that party. 
religious Zionist, Kahanist, ultra-nationalist, anti-Arab, far-right, racist. Of course, when they get called racist, uh, they get real upset about that. They oppose any Palestinian state whatsoever. They want the Oslo Accords canceled. And they want Israeli government to take control, absolute control, of the Temple Mount. They're big fans of what they call Jewish capitalism. And then this language. They say, we can save billions of shekels by reducing the defense budget following the removal of the enemy. The enemy in this case being Arabs. And they are, uh, by the way, you know, because a fascist is a fascist is a fascist is a fascist, with all due respect and apologies to Gertrude Stein, they are uh, decidedly anti-woman and anti-women's rights to control the reproductive, uh, their, their own reproductive organs. They want the IDF to be able to shoot more freely at Palestinians. And this guy, Itmar Ben-Gavir, is their leader. He's a lawyer. And among other things, used to brag and was known for uh, the uh, portrait that he had in his living room of an Israeli-American mass murderer named Baruch Goldstein. It was Baruch Goldstein who, in 1994, in Hebron, at the Cave of the Patriots, massacred 29 Palestinian Muslim worshippers and wounded 125 more. Only in 2020, as he prepared for the uh, Israeli legislative election, did he say, well, I took down the picture. Because he wanted to be in the, uh, wanted to run on the slate of the United Right, led by Naftali Bennett. And he eventually got elected to the Knesset. And as party leader, he's the national. Security Minister. 
who craves the extermination of Palestinian people. He has said that anyone who is not sufficiently loyal to Israel must be expelled from the country, citizen or no. And he kind of reminds me of Nico Rios, the uh, the drunk maggot in North Dakota, to an extent. Back in 2021, there was a video of Itmar Ben-Gavir pulling a gun on Arab security guards in the underground parking garage of Expo Tel Aviv Conference Center. The Arab security guards weren't armed. They approached him, the security guards did, because he was parking in a prohibited parking space. Uh, Think about the asshole who doesn't have a uh, a disability placard in their car and just pulls into the, into the, the, the blue parking space and says, well, you know, whatever. And so what Daniel Blattman says about Israeli society being ripe for fascism, uh, well, uh, in the 2022 Israeli legislative election, his party had resounding success. That's what got him into the cabinet. Resounding success. That means that lots of Israelis went to the polls in whatever riding or district or whatever it is he was running in and voted for a fascist. Voted for a racist. And I'm not using those as epithets. He really is, and if you ask him, he will tell you. Like I said, hey, He's not a racist, he just hates Arabs and wants them all dead. Oh, and by the way, he's a colonizer. He's one of the people who, along with his wife, uh, live in one of the illegal settlements in the occupied West Bank. He has been uh, accused of hate speech against Arabs. He is also uh, has been accused of supporting a terrorist group known as Kach, K-A-C-H. They're an offshoot of Kahanism. Kahanism itself being an extremist, bloody religious Zionist ideology and his Atzma Yehudit party is outright Kahanist and anti-Arab and in 2021 they got six seats in the Knesset which means that there were a lot of Israelis who said yay I want a I want a radical right fascist extremist anti-Arab legislator
a sociologist, an Israeli, by the name of Ava Luz, said Itmar Ben-Gavir is, the, is, is, is a perfect example of Jewish fascism. He deliberately prods and pokes and provokes the Arab-Palestinian population by leading, among other things, marches through the old city Jerusalem Muslim quarter, deliberately set up an office in uh, the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood of the Muslim quarter, and uh, was part and parcel of evictions of Palestinians who had lived there for God only knows generations. He is the son of Iraqi Jewish immigrants. That was his daddy. His mother was a Kurdish Jewish immigrant. And she was a member of the terrorist group, the Irgun, when she was a teenager. Also as a teenager, he became associated with uh, right-wing eliminationist Israeli groups, youth groups, including one that was all in favor of a <clears throat> removal of every Arab from the Israeli state. At one point, he was a member of Kach and Kahan Chai Party, Chai. That group was eventually designated a terrorist organization and outlawed by the Israeli government. When he turned 18 and was supposed to go into the IDF, the IDF gave him an exemption because of how breathtakingly fascist he was and is. That's the guy who, among other things, wants complete control and pretty much has it of the Israeli police forces. If you think back to the subject matter of Professor Blattman's expertise, there was a time, well, the last day of June 1934 saw the suppression in Nazi Germany of the SA, the Sturmabteilung, and the eventual murder of its gay leader, Ernst Röhm. Because what had happened to draw him into disfavor and the SA was the fact that Rome wanted complete control of the uh, SS. And Himmler, was it? it said, oh, hell no. 
And so Himmler started a homophobic campaign. Imagine that in Nazi Germany. That blathered on about the absolute necessity for German masculine purity. And led in one of their first attacks to the attack on uh, the very first Institute for Sexual Studies in Berlin that led to the film that you can still see of SS members carting out books and papers and files and burning them in great bonfires. He is the idiot. All of and 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 uh, Ben Gavir is trying to do something now, uh, very much sim- similar, with regard to uh, his desire to oust the head of Israeli prison services. Her name is Katy Perry. Of course, being a rampant misogynist, Ben Gavir uh, cannot uh, cannot abide having her in place. And he may actually cause the failure of the coalition government, but probably not. But other members of the coalition are saying, oh, no, 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 you're breaking the rules. Because under the coalition emergency agreement, all political hires had to be delayed until after the conclusion of the war on Hamas, and realistically, every human being in Gaza. And so Psycho Bibi had an emergency meeting with Itmar Ben-Gavir and with Benny Gantz, who is part of the National Unity Faction, and said that uh, firing... Katy Perry, no, that's her name, really, the head of the Israeli prison service, would violate the agreement. Four days after the war broke, we formed an emergency government and agreed that all senior officials remain in their post. That, according to National Unity Minister Chili Tropper, Violation of this agreement conveys that unity and security are less important. It conveys that political decisions take precedence over the people's unity. Well, that's kind of typical for fascism, y'all. Chili Tropper told Itmar Ben-Gavir, if there is an agreement, one must uphold it. Itmar Ben-Gavir, being a fascist, however, said, Unity means caring for everyone. One party cannot make a deal with a second party, which then tells a third party what to do. And ultimately, he wants to get rid of the woman who is in charge of Israeli prisons, which I'm sure are not exactly pleasant places to be an Arab. Itmar Ben-Gavir said, Wow, she's weak against Hamas prisoners. 
the prison commissioner did not carry out her duties. She was soft with Hamas-affiliated prisoners. She held negotiations over improving their conditions in complete opposition to my explicit and unequivocal stance and did so without my knowledge. Now, there are problems with Israeli prisons. For instance, uh, there's been a pimping affair in the Gilboa prison and a sex scandal in the Ramon prison. And so a number of people are not happy with it, Marben Gavir. But you know that old German saying, if you have nine people sitting at a table and a Nazi sits down and nobody leaves, you've got ten Nazis sitting at a table. If you thought Bibi Netanyahu was bad, this guy is a damn nightmare. He is a fascist nightmare. And he has not shed one damn tear over any innocent Palestinian deaths because he does not believe there are any innocent Palestinians. Daniel Blattman says, uh, said, it really does, uh, Israel now in 2023 really does recall Germany in 1933. That published, again, not in the American media, but in Haaretz. Uh, Yossi Klein also writing an opinion for Haaretz. Germany, 1933, Israel, 2023, protests are for a democracy. Protests aren't effective in a dictatorship, and the dictatorship is already here. While we were busy demonstrating, it tiptoed in and got comfortable in the living room, making sure that everything would be legal. And here we are. And again, remember, Daniel Blattman has been warning about the arrival of fascism in Israel since 2000, at least, since at least 2017. And so I kind of think about Daniel Blattman now when I see the those those uh, slick propaganda ads running on American TV. I've seen them. You probably have too. We're into the third hour of the program. We have forty dollars to go on Baltimore Bob's challenge, and twenty-five to go on Ralph's. If we knock those down again, we'll be down below two thousand dollars for our deficit. And so thank you to any, everyone who's jumped in and anyone who else who does. Um, the, the Talking about the handicapped placard, uh, Randy Radar said, I was one of those assholes, but I didn't know why the parking meter was blue and the handicap symbol on the pavement was completely covered up by sand. I paid the $15 fine rather than spend all day in court disputing it. Lesson learned. That's how it works. There was no ill intent, Randy, in the case of Itmar Ben-Gavir. It was nothing but ill intent. 
Thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks, y'all, for keeping me up to date on the game. WVU 17, North Carolina 10 at the half. Thank you, Ralphs, Billable Rick. Um, thank you, uh, uh, thank you, George, in course gold. Thank you, Kevin. And George just took us down to uh, $15 to go on Baltimore Bob's Challenge, the Tom Smothers in Memoriam Challenge. Thank you, George. Thank you so much. Um, so all told, 40 bucks, and we will be done with all the challenges this evening. And we will bill paying tonight. That will be fantastic. Super. I have not been deliberately ignoring the stress line. Someone was there. Someone was there, but I wanted to get the. I wanted. To, I wanted us to know who Itmar Ben Gavir is, and how he's such a fascist that he makes Bibi Netanyahu uh, look like Mohandas K. Gandhi. Hey, welcome to the program. Hello, Todd. Hey, Robin. Yeah. Wow, are you you know um, I I am almost speechless. You, you have just disseminated more information. Oh, I don't know, in a half an hour, whatever. I don't know. In the past, well, since you started the program tonight, you know. Because speaking of Bull Connor, I mean that's what I was going to say to, but I didn't do that. But you get that's you get good. No, that's saying, that's right? that's good though. Speaking of Bull Connor, Itmar Ben Gavir. See, this goes back to we've been having conversations over the years. Like the Deep South has always been fascist, but they didn't know what it meant. But they're all authoritarian, authoritarian slash fascist. But can you say this this gentleman's name again, please? Itmar Ben Gavir. Gavir. Mm, yeah, I, I t for anybody who wants to look him up. I T M A R B E N G V I R. I I just cannot tell you how intellectually stimulating I'm finding your program tonight. Um, in so light kind. of the Thank other you. things, I mean that you know me. I'm jokey and and you know crazy and all that kind of stuff. But um, clowning around and shit. Yeah, we we do that. You know, we have to have fun, but we appreciate knowledge. And, and you know, that's, that's the common core with, I think, people who uh, attend to your program. Now, what I find fascinating, honestly, is, is after the, just shortly after this attack, because I hadn't talked to you in a while, and then the attack came and we talked, and someone gave me excellent, I mean, just amazing accolades that left me speechless. I didn't even know what to say. And I didn't even know I hadn't listened to your program the night before about uh, some history of that of the Middle East and, and the area that you know Israel and such and Palestine. Uh, and I made the analogy of of, of uh, you know Nazi Germany and the ghettos and the concentration camps. And you know this was after a lot of thought. I had to really think about it because you know a lot of people don't like to hear about that. But because of my background in social sciences, I was like, you know, this is, you know, like you said the other night, this is, this is trauma. 
generation is trauma. And I don't think some of these people understand that they're just acting out. Some of them are just crazy. I, so let me let me slow down because I don't know. Some of them are just blood, blood lust, bloodthirsty, crazy people. But and and let me not be tangent man tonight because I really this is this is I had to take notes when you were talking because so we talked about um, I mean this is month a month or two ago right after it happened like I said you know about their behaving like Nazi Germany and people you know some people didn't like to hear that I suppose. But then here comes Masha Gessen, who some people have seen on MSNBC. Uh, and Masha is a contributor to the Atlantic. And th- just in a couple of weeks, in the past two weeks, uh, Masha submitted uh, some work in the Atlantic that basically said exactly what we were talking about. You see, but Masha has a platform. And now I hear this from this, this, uh, get Gennar, get, not Gennar. Ben Gavir. I should go. Ben Gavir. I mean, this, this is, but you see, this is not surprising. And I know it's uncomfortable for some people, but you see, this is one of the reasons, and mark my words, when, when these folks, these, these, uh, you know, rural right wing Israeli folks are inter- interviewed, such as Mark Regev, and I have not even taken the time to go to uh, research his, his real origin, but I mean, my, my linguistic, I mean, I'm just hearing, he's from South Africa. I, it's not Australian. He, he's from, he's Praetorian. I really believe that. And if he's not, then I'm wrong. But he is a nasty-ass motherfucker. And now it all makes sense. Now it makes all these things are coming together. They, see, they have no intention. Like, like when they say we got to destroy Hamas, and that's fine, we should destroy. But that, how do you destroy the clan? How do you destroy? You cannot destroy that. You have to destroy what makes people gravitate toward that. Because what they really mean is they want they want to kill every Palestinian that they can see, hear, or smell. They want a final solution for the Palestinians. The final solution. Oh, that sounds familiar. Doesn't that sound familiar? Well, that's an interesting term there. I mean, it's not us making, I mean, I'm sorry. All we're doing is connecting dots. And see, that's, I don't know if people understand. A lot of times when I say, when we talk on this program, it's not necessarily how I feel, but this is what I see is playing out. And I try to sometimes make that distinction, but this is, this is just how it appears to be. I mean, what else are we, what else are we to, uh, Thing. Now, now, and remember, you know, I'm one of the few people I think, I'm, I mean, Bueller, raise your hand. How, how many people listening have lived with someone who's lived in a kibbutz? Uh, See, my hand not, has been up. Not, not me. Yeah, well, that's what I told you. I'm like, yep, yep. And there's this whole, this whole uh, uh, narrative out there about how, you know, peaceful and this and that. No, no, they hate Arabs. They call the Palestinians there. I'm telling you what I saw. I lived with this. And that's on one side. Because remember, I had, I had a very, like, goy, you know, Jewish girlfriend, too, whose, whose friends were pretty observant. I learned a lot. And I, I mean, I stayed with her and her parents for a while. That's how close we were. That's how close we were. That's why when I say some things, you know, 
I, this this is just craziness. But you see, it's too late now. Now you see, they're not going to listen to anybody. They're going to do what they want to do, and it's going to it, it's already uh, this is going to cost us money. This is economic now because you see, now we're having to retaliate in the Middle East over this. God only knows what's going on. They haven't told us. You see, in, in terms of these Houthi and, and the uh, proxy Iranian strikes, we have to respond to. Um, so, and, and, you know, recently, Richard Engel, who most people who uh, attend to MSNBC, they recognize him. He's like one of their senior um, foreign correspondents. He's supposed to have a lot of credibility. I don't know what program it was on. It was on MSNBC, but uh, recently he was in, he went to one of the uh, West Bank illegal settlements. And finally, you're saying illegal settlement. Finally. See, this, this, this whole thing, this is, we have a whole couple generations that have been, including, you know, when I was young, it was, we didn't question. We didn't. Did you question? No. We didn't, because they're our ally, and I get that. They're the strongest ally we have in that part of the world, but it comes with strings. And Biden even said the bad part out loud, and I, I don't think he should have said it. And he even admitted, he's like, well, this is good for our economy. And he's talking about munitions. But you see, um, according to Amy Goodman and um, Democracy Now!, and this is, this is from years ago, we we supply Israel with weapons that we are not allowed to use because we're under certain UN constrictions that Israel ignores or you know they don't care about because they're in perpetual and I said perpetual that's a big word perpetual violation of, of United Nations sanctions and mandates and this and that they they just do what they want to do and they dare you say something and I'm not making this up you go to go to the United Nations website they're 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 out of compliance like perpetually. So that being said, that's one of the reasons Nikki uh, Haley pulled out of the UN, where uh, we can't be held accountable for war crimes or something to that effect. In other words, we, we're out of that part. You know, I don't know. If we've been reinstated, but my point is that we give that was the International Criminal the Court. International Criminal Court. Thank you. Tag one. Your interns or something. Um. You know, they're allowed to experiment on this population. It's like they're shooting fish in the barrel. Let's just be honest. And they can experiment. They're using white phosphorus. They're using weapons that we're not allowed to use. Right? And then it takes that, and they send it back to us, to the weapons builders over here, you know, to see what it does to humans. Because remember, they're not full humans. They're not even three-fifths. Palestinians ain't even three-fifths. How do you tell a whole group of people to move to point B because point A and point C are, you know, not going to be safe. And then you bomb point B. Okay, that happens once or twice because you say, well, you know, Hamas is there. They're using human shield. But this has happened. Or they're going to keep doing it so there's nobody. You know what? There's going to be a two-state two, two state solution. There'll be one apartment building with about 10 families, Palestinian guys and families. And it'll be barbed around it. And that'll be it. There won't be nobody left. That'd be easy. 
see, there's and and this level. Of, I'm not. I mean, it's that. I'm sorry. Damn it. No, Go, you're fine. Sorry, I just please. wanted to. I just wanted to point out that there is a long history of Israeli denial of Palestinian identity. Uh, as far back as 1969, mm-hmm. uh, Golda Meir said it. There was no such thing as Palestinians. Mm. Really? And, and, and the, but that's 1969. Flash forward to uh, March, and, and again... Like I said, February 2023, March 2023, what's happening in Gaza is the result of what's been happening in Israel for a very long time. And so in March of 2023, the extreme right-wing, read fascist, finance minister, a creep by the name of Bezalel Smotrich, Smotrich uh, said, uh, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. It was created in the past century as a response to Zionism. Who was the first Palestinian king? What language do the Palestinians have? Was there ever a Palestinian currency? Is there a Palestinian history or culture? Nothing. There is no such thing as a Palestinian people. And he said that in a speech in Paris. That's... And again... The Israeliness doesn't matter nearly as much to me as the fascism does. There can there can be Israeli fascists, there can be Polish fascists, there can be, God knows, British fascists, American fascists. But the one thing they all have in common, Todd, is they are goddamn fascists. They are goddamn poison. And the only way to have a tolerant civil society is not to tolerate them. And the fact of the matter is, Palestinian people have lived on their land in Palestine. They didn't get run out in 72 CE when the Romans had just had enough. And John Kirby, uh, who is the uh, National Security Council spokesman, yeah, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen him several times on uh, on, on the Jehoshaphat program, uh, said of uh, Belzael Smotrich's racist remarks, we utterly object to that kind of language, and it's extremely unhelpful to, again, trying to de-escalate the tensions and trying to find a viable two-state solution going forward. We don't want to see any rhetoric, any action or rhetoric, quite frankly, that can stand in the way or become an obstacle to a viable two-state solution, and language like that does. And Hamas, 
uh, responded to his comments, saying, The comments clearly reflect the fascist policies of colonial settlement expansion and forced eviction of the Palestinian people on which the occupation state was founded. And I hate to say that anything Hamas said was correct, but, well, there we are. You there, Todd? Illusion? I'm sorry. No. You know what? I've, I've learned. I'm not learning, actually. This, I was young. Good, good thing you didn't have me on the air. Uh, this band is being slowly ripped off. And, and I want to, what's the right term? I'm, I'm, I mean, it's just history. Like, and, and it got me when, when, as soon as you like fleshed out, because people hear it, but it doesn't sink in. There's a reason that those illegal settlements are where they are. And we all like risk. There's a certain reason that some of those places are there. Number one, human beings, you know, this is just plain old, you know, college 101 stuff, most of it. Right? People only take over land that's uh, valuable to them for some reason. It's got to be near water, or it's got to have natural resources, or it's arable. And we're talking about the desert. So they made the, they, they took over, they took that land, they stole the land where it was Arab, like where it was, you know, the Palestinians already had, like you said, olive groves and date groves and orchards, and, you know, the goats and stuff and uh, goats and things. And because that was the most desirable land in addition to needing a buffer zone. And that's the other part. And that's what we're going to see now. They, uh, Israel is going to maintain a buffer zone, probably about five or ten kilometers um, around Gaza while they do what they want to do, because it's all contaminated now. They've been using all types of weapons, um, you know, before they build their, their high-rise resorts together, you know, do something to it. But, you know, we, we have to remember this. There's, there's a bigger picture here. This is about land development. And now at this point, you know, but Richard Engle, uh, just, this a few days ago. And he went into one of the Western settlements with, um, a Palestinian who lives on one of these, um, you know, where his people have been for, you know, centuries, you know, centuries, literally centuries. And it's like rolling hills and he's got his little farm and goats and, uh, you know, trees and such and it's right up and you know the, the illegal settlements are right up on it and they they even Richard Engel these people had AKs and, and uh, AR-15s they were shooting at them they said get up now they took they took the Palestinian guys but his they tell you there's nothing I can do because remember when these when these illegal settlement people when they attack the cops back them up it's like the deep south what are you going to do you're going to get strung up you know, and it's, this is getting messy now because the reason a lot of people don't like these universities is that, you know, young people are finding out really what's going on. And it's not about what they're saying it is in terms of being anti-Semitic. It's just about the truth. This is about a supremacist type philosophy. And that's no good in any culture, any culture, any type of fascism and supremacy 
I just it, it never lasts, and it's just, it's just evil. What what fascist nation? What fascist organization nation do you know? Civilization has ever succeeded. Right, and it's worth noting. Uh, and this is going to be a little tangential. First, a couple of things that are just bouncing around for me. And thank you, Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, all challenges have been met now. So thank wow. you to Ralphs That's and great. thank you to Bulmer Bob, and thank you to our kind anonymous internet friend and everybody who responded. We're down below two thousand dollars now in terms of the monthly deficit, which is better than being above two thousand dollars by a long shot. Thank you all. And anything else that comes in continues to bring the number down. Thank you. Now, that uh, I, I just wanted to get that out there because there's so many interwoven things here. Um, first of all, did you note that Imrat Ben-Gavir's mama was a member of the Urgun no, and what is that? The Urgun were the Jewish terrorists in the mid-20th century who perpetrated hor- basically the same atrocities as Hamas on the Palestinian oh, population. Mean, okay, the Ben-Gurion crowd. Uh, the, uh, yeah, and Menachem Begin and the right. bombing, of the, okay, and the bombing, the bombing of the King David Hotel. Okay, I didn't know them by that name, but that's just how they mostly Diane, that that crowd. Okay, I remember that when I was young. Yes, absolutely. Oh, they were vicious. Well, the interesting thing is this 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 Ben Veneer creep was raised secular, <laughs> but he had a mama who had been a radical terrorist in her teenage years. Uh, she was, um, again, a Kurdish Jewish immigrant to Israel. His daddy was a uh, an Iraqi Jewish immigrant to Israel. Holy cow. He was raised secular. And then the fascist right got their hooks on him. He was Steve Miller. Wow, wait a minute. And and but but the other thing I kind of flashed on when I read that was that you know we're seeing this all over the United States too, particularly among young men. I've talked about the incels a lot, and the manosphere, and right. and and little Benny Drywife Shapiro and Pink Shrek uh, Joe Rogaine and. Lobster Daddy Jordan Peterson and the, the whole filthy lot. And what has been found out, and we've talked about this some, is that, and we've talked about those overlapping Venn diagrams a lot, you and I, Todd. You find out that the circle that is young neo-Nazis is the same circle as young potential school shooters is the same circle as... Uh, black red pilled or black pilled incels, and they recruit within each other's spheres. 
And for some reason or another, the promise of fascism is enticing to young men. Being able to be <clears throat> be dominant and 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 unque- having unquestioned authority and having half the population be submissive to you. Oh, you you are brilliant! It gives them the power that they wish they had. Mm. Yes. Mm. And add to, add to that. Know, no, go ahead. Mm. No, I'm just putting all these all these pieces together. This is this is all this is this is big. This is big. <laughs> and add Please, to this, the, there there are so many little little, uh, if not. Uh, rhymes than reflections. One of the great lies told about the colonization of the Western Hemisphere was that the good God-fearing white people came here and found a vast and empty unpeopled land which they settled and, and, and brought forth prosperity from the land completely oblivious to the fact that the Western Hemisphere was more populous than Europe or Asia or Africa at the time and more successfully populated. The largest city in the world was Tenochtitlan in 1518 Hmm. before the arrival of Cortes. Isn't that something... But we promulg- after the genocide, we promulgated a myth, uh, whether it was the Spaniards, the Portuguese, the English, the Scots, whomever, propagated the myth that there was nobody here anyway. And they were able to get away with it because they had slaughtered so many people. Now, as early... And and so, you know, the vast unpeopled wilderness myth for the colonization of, of, of the Americas. Well, beginning in 1843, a preacher who was part of the Christian Restorationist movement and part of the origins of largely white Anglo-Saxon Protestant fetishization of Jewish peoples, you know, having previously been part of a nation that had declared being Jewish illegal and driven the Jews out of England at one point. But in 1843, um, a preacher began using a phrase for Palestine, a land without a people for a people without a land. 1843. A land without a people for a people without a land. So they presumed, just as the vast uh, vast uh, uncharted wilderness myth did in the Western Hemisphere, they declared that there was nobody in Palestine, so it would be okay to move everybody who was Jewish there. 
but that's absolutely not true. It was it was it was ruled under under the Ottoman Empire at the time, the sick man of Europe, the sublime port. But it caught on with Dr. Alexander Keith and Anthony Ashley Hyphen Cooper, and and spread all over by Christians. Is this how you get the truth about about the Palestinians? Are just they're just kind of like wanderers and nomads, and they didn't really have any. Yeah, you know, they were just around, maybe. Yeah, okay. this was this was you know yeah. th- this was the origin of what was referred to as Christian Zionism. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're getting deep into the doo doo now, boy, oh boy. Because now you're talking about the Crusades. Now this is intersecting with the, the Venn diagram would indicate intersecting with the Crusades. I mean, yeah, you're talking about 1843, but that whole mentality. You see? Mm. Yeah. Uh, other uh, and. and- and, and going back to Golden mm. My, Golden Meir's statement, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. Um, mm. A number of people have weighed in, weighed in on that over the years. Um, an American scholar on Middle Eastern history named James Gelvin said, The fact that Palestinian nationalism developed later than Zionism, and indeed in response to it, does not in any way diminish the legitimacy of Palestinian nationalism or make it less valid than Zionism. All nationalists arise in opposition to some other. Why else would there be the need to to specify who you are? And all nationalisms are defined by what they oppose. As we have seen, Zionism itself arose in reaction to anti-Semitic and exclusionary nationalist movements in Europe. It would be perverse mm-hmm. to judge Zionism as somehow less valid than European anti-Semitism or those nationalisms. Furthermore, Zionism itself was also defined by its opposition to the indigenous Palestinian inhabitants of the region. Both the conquest of land and the conquest of labor slogans that became central to the dominant strain of Zionism in the Yishuv originated as a result of the Zionist confrontation with the Palestinian other. Uh, this led someone named Philip O'Kaley to say, of course, a hundred years ago, there's no such thing as an Israeli either. The Israelis and Palestinian nations have come into being simultaneously and in conflict. The assertion of one is often formulated as the denial of the other. Barbara McKeon Parmenter, the literary critic, added in regard to Golda Meir, in one sense, she was right. There was no Palestine in the Western sense of a nation-state and no Palestinian people in the Western sense of a national group taking explicit possession of and improving its national territory. By Western definition, Palestinians, like many other native peoples around the world, did not exist. That's the key line, the last one. By Western definition, Palestinians, like many other native peoples around the world, did not exist. In fact, the Supreme Court of the United States, Todd, back in the 19th century declared in an opinion that it was perfectly A-OK, hunky-dory, all-righty, uh, easy-peasy, Bob's your uncle, to take land from indigenous Americans because they weren't Christian and they had never improved the land. Right. See how it works? Right. Yeah. Right, they weren't proper stewards. You know, they didn't know what to do with. 
they weren't ex- they, they they weren't exploiting the land in the name of Jebus. They don't have no sense. Look at all that good land. What are they doing? They're not doing anything. They're just wandering around. They're just, you know, they're nomads. Yeah. And and that's how it starts. Well, you know, that's absolutely not true. And then the line of the line about them, yeah, the line about them being born in conflict is true. Uh, Mm. How many tens of thousands of Palestinians were driven out of Israel during the first Nakba? How many murdered? Oh, you're modern era now. Yeah, you're modern era. I'm talking about way back because I mean uh, that whole lot of that area between. Well, really, it was what we call Lebanon all the way down to Egypt. That was Palestine. You look at some, look at your cartography. That that was identified as Palestine. Yeah, and the word and the word and the word Palestine comes down through history from Philistine. Right. Remember, remember who uh, little David got into it with. The, the, the crazy Philistines, well, you know, the Philistines, right. Mm. This is, this is, uh, I, I don't know. what You know what, though? Honestly, I think there, there's a lot of anger out here. Uh, but I think the big, our biggest problem right now is the fact that the nation state maybe is not thinking this through or they just don't care or they just want to get what they want. But what they're not thinking through, I don't, it it seems to me, are the repercussions. Okay. How many more strikes on our soldiers are we, you know, are going to permit? And see, this is going to affect oil. I mean, this, this is exact. It's just all predictable. This is so predictable. Because they just pissed everybody off. Because they want to get what they want to get, and they won't follow the rules. You can't. I mean, they're, they're trying to tell you what they're doing is not what they're doing, and they're going to do that until everybody else is dead. And it won't matter. But enough. Well, and you know what they say. This is what I'm telling you. I fucking know. This is what I'm telling you. I, I've been in the, t- the table with these folks, man. They'll say when you pin them down. Because remember, watching these interviews. They don't have the facts on their side. So what they do is they talk over the commentator or the reporter, and then they bang on the on the desk and they get louder and they talk over them until you know all the time runs out. Well, I'm sorry, thank you for Mr. Reagan. We have to go now because they don't have the facts on their side. But this is what they will say if you pin them down or if you have built trust with them. They'll say, "Well, the past is the past." I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. From Orthodoxy and, and, and Bedford Stuyvesant and Crown Heights, where Sharpton got in trouble. I've been over there. Listen, you know how hard it is to walk the streets around three thirty. Shit. So I'm, these folks are look, man. They want what they want, and they're so close. They're not giving up now. They're willing to kill their own people. Now remember, once again, let's go back to this Nazi. The people get this fucking shit clear. Now, first of all, tune into BBC. I know we all like MSNBC, but 
check out MSN. I mean, check out BBC. Oh, and beyond the BBC, and, Al Jazeera. And, uh, well, you said it. I wasn't going to say it. You said it. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. No, I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of outlets out there that are producing content that isn't nearly as milk toast or commercialized as you know the best of American multimillionaire media. No, this, this is heavy handed. I mean, what what I don't understand. This that makes no sense at this point. It really does not make any sense. On top of telling people. You're telling people when we drop flyers. You know, we told, we asked you, we told you we were going to, and that's true. But you're talking about hospital patients, people on dialysis. Have you ever been sick in a hospital? Are you supposed to get up and get your shit? Let me get my bag and my, oh, let me see. Nurse, can I have some applesauce and orange juice and oatmeal before I hit the road? Or hobble out here these 20 miles? And then you get there. It's like, thank God I'm here. Oh, I'm hungry. I've been, oh, I had my veins are popping out and I'm bleeding and my, my dressings are dirty and I'm, looks like I'm, I'm, I'm getting sepsis. Can I have a hot meal? Boom! Damn, we got bombed again. They told us to come here. How many times is that going to, man, we're going to whittle that shit down. Look, ain't going to be nothing left but a nub. Fuck that. So that's what we're dealing with. That's what it could, who's, who's got the most shit? So that's where we are. So now the, the fallout, though, that's what we got to say. Because these mother people are these crazy motherfuckers. These terrorists are all over the world, and Israel doesn't give a fuck about anybody else but themselves. And they're gonna get bitch. I hope they get bitch slapped. Seriously, they gotta stop this shit. This this is ridiculous. They're gonna drag the whole world down into a quagmire because they're not getting exactly what they want. And it, it, it's a fucking shame. I mean, what? I mean, everybody believes, of course, Israel has a right to exist, but exist on your property and stop stealing shit. You know, every time, every minute, 24 7, you're on an illegal settlement, that is what's called a provocative action. Also, a continuing. Also, a continuing crime. A continuing perpetual violation. Now, I don't want to be misconstrued with my speech here. I, I just—it's just like this is affecting the whole world now. This is—that's what I'm upset about. You know, what happened on October seventh was disgusting. They're terrorists. Did, didn't they learn when you little don't fuck with crazy people? Why are you why are you going out of your way to live next to crazy motherfucker? Are you see now we're dealing with two crazy entities. One is a nation state and one is just a group and an ideology. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And uh, just to go back to um Itmar Ben Gavir for a minute. Uh, the 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 historical the historic parallels are kind of breathtaking. It's like somebody's got a book and they're and they're treating it like a manual. Oh shit! You, wait a minute. You don't use that word very. Oh, okay. I want to listen to this, please. So he's demanding that the government shift security responsibilities for towns near the border with the Gaza Strip from the IDF to the police. 
because the police can act with more impunity and not deal with those pesky rules of engagement that aren't even being particularly well followed anyway. Right. Um, so Bibi said the National Security Ministry, Ben Gavir, can conscript reserve police officers instead of the Ministry of Defense. And now they've, as of April, they decided to create a new uh, security gang called the National Guard that would answer directly to this fascist, Ben Gavir. Oh, Jesus. This is right out of the Himmler playbook. They are Nazis. Damn. Well, that's like the SS. Yes. <laughs> These people got, look, they have a plan. And, and remember, they're still not honoring right of return. I don't hear anybody talking about right of return on MSNBC too much. Um, that's another violation. But uh, so, you know, they said, well, we're going to be in control of Gaza for the foreseeable future. So, I, I mean, where they, where they, you know what, maybe, I don't know. I think, well, what we know is, is, Israeli Palestinians who aren't living in Israel proper don't have the right credentials. They're just going to be gone. Hey, where'd the Palestinians so go? The, what Palestinians? What about pal, pal what? Who? Oh, gee, let me. What? Who? Oh, those are you like internet, those, right? those are those are like those are like hobbits and leprechauns. They're imaginary and hillbillies. Yeah, they die. Right. Cartoon shit. I want to share a couple of notes here. Um, uh, Matt in San Francisco said, about 20 years ago, during one of the previous conflicts, I went to a presentation from an activist that gained access to parts of Palestine that most folks never see. I went because I felt I didn't really know the details about the conflict and why it seems to be such an intractable problem. I think he was part of the MCC church or something, Metropolitan Community Church, for those who don't know. But he documented his trip, the checkpoints, the roads that couldn't be walked on by Arabs, some parts where Palestinians had open-air markets with food, clothing, etc. And apparently Israelis had built up over this, so they looked down on the marketplace and they threw urine and feces and bleach out their windows, which would then land on the marketplace below, bleaching all the clothes and making them worthless. There was just so much stuff like that, and I was so amazed that I had never seen any of this in the media. Back then, it was simply Israel's right all the time. Ever since that presentation, I've found the narrative over the conflict coming from Israel and their supporters to be suspect at best. I'm no scholar on the subject. I try and keep it simple. I look at how people treat others. It seems this go around a lot. More people are becoming aware of what goes on. I think maybe the cell phone technology and people being able to tell their own stories is finally shedding more light on the situation. And Matt says closing it's just horrible Hmm. yeah i watch what's going on in gaza and i feel the same way i did about what happened in rwanda in the 90s in rwanda in the 90s the excuse was do you know how hard it is to get to rwanda (laughs) that's why we couldn't that's why the u.n couldn't do anything then or us and it, and and it's it's something similar, but not quite the same with this, and it's miserable. 
Steve in New York, uh, well, Steve in Canada, who, by the way, said, I don't, if, is there a God and does it answer prayers? I don't know, but my flight had an issue, and I got an extra day with Leo. Yay. That's beautiful. All right. Uh, Palestinians. Can, can didn't, I say, Matt, that was really something. Matt, that was rich. That, that was just very rich. That's something. That's food for thought. I'm, I just had to say that. Uh, well, it's it's. It, it reminds me of Emmett Till's mama saying, "Nope, bring him back to Chicago, and we're going to have an open casket, and we're going to let the world see what they did to my boy." Because every now and then you'd get a little story out of Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia or South Carolina about the brutality of the racist South, but mostly no, because you know mm-hmm. those 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 people buy cars too. And washing machines, mm-hmm. and cigarettes. <laughs> Palestinians didn't exist, Steve says. Fine, they lived in houses on land that someone showed up with guns and forced them out of. It strikes me that it doesn't matter <laughs> if there was a Palestine. And Darlene in Connecticut just pointed out from the Jerusalem Post, exact, not exactly a bastion of liberalism, Netanyahu appoints far-right member of the Knesset as chairman of the West Bank Committee. Dear God. Uh, the West Bank Committee for what? The final Groups like Brothers in Arms and Peace Now accused Prime Minister ben- Benjamin Netanyahu of endangering national security with the appointment. Uh, this particular creepy nut job is member of the Knesset Zvi Sukkot, chairman of the Foreign and Security Committee's Judea and Samaria Subcommittee. And he, again, is a colonizer living in a settlement on Palestinian land. And he's actually suspected in having been involved in the past in Israeli terrorist attacks on Palestinians. Hmm. The appointment of the pyromaniac from Huara to such a senior and confidential role is a step that harms national security and a poke in the eye of our American partners, Peace Now said. Mm. And uh, uh, attempts are being made to get uh, Benny Gantz and Gotti Eisenkot to put the kibosh on it. And a, a labor leader, Merav Mikhali, said Bibi uh, just opened another front in the war. Two fronts and 1,400 victims wasn't enough for Netanyahu. Today he appointed a Shin Bet target as chairman of a security subcommittee and poured 700 liters of fuel on a third front, the West Bank. Huh. This is this is this is full on. This is full on fascism. And I don't throw that word around indiscriminately. I've tried to make a study of it within my right. hum, my humble abilities. But when it honks like a goose and steps like a goose, it's fascism. And 
it, it, it's the same problem we have here or in any other th- operating system that calls itself even quasi-democratic. You've got people who vote who don't know shit from Shinola. Yep. There are people who go to the uh, who go to polling places and cast ballots, and couldn't find their ass with both hands. All they know, Todd, is they're fucking scared, and they want someone to be strong. They want daddy. When democracy's supposed to kind of be daddyless. How do you, I don't know how we fix that. Well, education. Yeah, look, I had the story early in the program. I don't know if you heard it, but, you know, uh, Mullah Mike Moses uh, declaring that women are leaving the Republican Party because they've been allowed to be too educated. I, I heard, you know, he is, he is just, he is as dangerous as he's, I don't I think he's, he's almost as dangerous as Trump. He might be more so because the guy's a preacher, too, and he can do that uh, smooth voice, soft sell pulpit bullshit and make, exactly. those, afore- and make those aforementioned dumbasses go, oh, yeah, I won't leave my America. Uh, excuse me, Robin. I, I'm telling you what I've heard on Washington Journal. The people, the, the oh middle Jesus, middle America I can folks, only Amer- I can people, only imagine. They say, well, I don't see what the problem is. He seems nice and he's clean cut. And I like what he says. And I'm like, did you hear, did you really listen? You're just looking at him because he looks good on TV. But you remember, he's a little man too. I just noticed that. And I'm not saying all short men got problems, but I'm saying that that. Sometimes that's an issue with some short men in, in our society, in this particular society that we, in, you know, habitate. It, for some people, it becomes a problem. And, and um, mm-hmm. now I was going to say, uh, Mike, and, I, I, Mike and Cascadia just wrote in. Uh, do you remember the Rachel Corey story? She was a peace activist from Olympia, Washington. And she was in Gaza demonstrating against Israeli settlements in 2003. An IDF armored bulldozer literally drove over her and crushed her body to lifelessness. Oh, yeah! I've actually, you know what, Mike? I've actually thought of her quite a lot. And Mike said, "I signed on today just as Todd called in. Great conversation, powerful. I wish all Americans could hear this." I don't know if I could handle that, Mike, <laughs> because in, 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 inevitably I, I get no. Uh, that's anti-Semitic. No, the fuck, it's not. Hating fascism is not oh, anti-Semitism, God. and no. I hate this, this, fascism. This, this is not the program. People still on training wheels. You know, you, you don't even bother. But you know when you when you it is this guy. I'm so glad that the last uh, email, one of the last emails you, uh, or messages you said, reminded me. Now remember uh, when that statement was made by uh, ITAR 
guitar. You remember uh, the lead up to, to October 7th, that was the deadliest time for Palestinians in, in quite some time. For a booze, like a 90 day period. Uh, and you don't hear that unless you listen to BBC or attend to BBC. They, they, I mean, it made it plain and simple because there's a graph. Um, so, you know, things don't happen in the vacuum like the United Nations uh, uh, leader said, president, whatever uh, you know, title is, I don't know right now. United Nations General Counsel, is that it? I don't know. Uh, but, they, they, you know, yeah. there was a reason. Security Council. Right, well, the, uh, he's from one of the Southern Hemisphere countries. I think he's in charge of the UN. Uh, but anyway, at, at any rate, it, you know, and, and, you know, this, this is beyond it, trying to say someone's anti-Semitic or this has nothing to do with Jews or Israel right now. This is about right and wrong. And even if you don't believe in any of this stuff, this is about world security because we're dealing with a whole set of people, two sets of people. Who are bloodthirsty. And they've shown they're bloodthirsty and they're going to use it. They have, these folks have to talk. Because it's not going to go away. They have to talk. And I think, I think, as in most cases, uh, it's going to have to start right now um, when, when the people get, or, you know, when their emotions die down in Israel, there are, I mean, Netanyahu, he, remember, he, he, started, he had uh, his hand, his fingerprints all over this. Yes. You know, from, from. Lie hop, so, lie hop, Todd, let it happen on purpose. Let it happen on purpose. And isn't it, and this just and struck it, me, isn't it an interesting and ironic coincidence that Daniel Blattman, the professor, is saying it's not that fascism is coming, fascism is here in Israel in the same time frame in which Bibi Netanyahu's government had the blueprint plan for what happened on October 7th. That, see, it's on purpose. It was, it, it, it was not a flaw, it was a feature, as you say. And that's who I was referring to when I said in 20, with the person you were talking about that, that, that made that statement in 2023, because they saw exactly what was going on. See, people, we have a short memory. Of, I mean, we have a lot going on. We can't keep everything. All right. Especially over there. I mean, it's just, I mean, we have enough to worry about. But, uh, yeah, I, and, you see, this is. I'm, I'm concerned about the military now. You know what I'm concerned about? No, I'm really, yeah, no you know what I'm concerned what? about? We're kind of over time, but that's okay. Um, I'm, con- I'm concerned about the fact that uh, people like this uh, Itmar Ben Gavir mm-hmm. are in positions of power as fascists in a country that has. The bomb. The bomb. You said it. You said it. I, 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 no spoiler, but it's like, uh, I don't know, 
the scene from Beneath the Planet of the Apes when Charlton Heston goes into the underground cathedral and sees all these humans worshipping a fucking thermonuclear device. Oh, holy bomb. Oh, bomb. Because those, are, the, because, because those are the kind of nut jobs, bloody, dangerous, fascist nut jobs, who will say, well, if we can't solve the Palestinian problem one way, we'll solve it another. And if we can't live exactly as we want to live, we'll burn it all down. Because, see, there is a school of thought within Israel that says, uh, if it ever gets really bad, we're just going to say fuck it and light the whole place up. You know, well, now you're making me think about risk again. Because when you look at that map, you see where Iran is, where Iraq is. Now, Iran's a large country, land-wise. Now, uh, Iraq is closer, I believe. But they can definitely get a nuclear weapon to Iran. And maybe maybe that's what they want. They just want the whole Middle East. You see? And they want to Maybe. Some of these folks. Because they're bloodthirsty. How, how can you not say they're not bloodthirsty after what we've seen? Well, what about the children and the women? They're obviously not terrorists. Well, we told them ah, nothing we can do about it. Huh? You know, casualties of war. Okay. If you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. You got to break some. I mean, this, this is. This is I, I, I think I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, um, I, I just I don't know. But but I know one thing. Um, the milk the milk didn't make it. I told you he wasn't going to make it. Those tweets. He's in meltdown mode. Right in hell. Right in hell. (laughs) But see, this is what I'm concerned about. Like you're talking about the rise of fascism. People are okay with that. How are Americans okay with voting? We got a whole lot of mugs okay with voting for somebody who's told a whole... Like, uh, supposed to be presidential, erudite, professional. Right in hell. I'm the most presidential president of president never in the history of presidentiality. What are you talking about? I mean, this, this, this is who we are now. This is who we are. That's our, that's, this is a problem. It is. And I, I am going to shift gears well, so that we can end on a happy note. I have to tell you some good news. All right. Good. The Koneka the smoked turkey uh, has been stripped, and it has been and the and and the and the and the remnants of the whole turkey have been simmering in a pot all day long, make, making the beginnings of turkey carcass soup. I have some red lentils, and I'm going to dice up some potatoes, and some pota- then I've got some tomato puree, and some of those wonderful, beautiful, curly, flat egg noodles. Oh, it's uh, going to be so good. Egg. Oh, yes, that's the perfect noodle for that. 
Mm. See, that's that's what that's that's what I love. You get excited about about a noodle. That's the perfect noodle for that. Yes, it is. It it is. Oh, that is. Oh man, yo, yo. If you feel like you have a cold coming, oh, that's that's. Oh, it's going to be oniony and garlicky. You know what's funny? I'm so glad you brought, you, you brought that up because that was perfect. I, I, today, I, I listen, I missed the first part of your uh, show yet, program yesterday, and I heard you get into the food part early. I was like, damn, that sounds good. Oh, I could, I could taste it. Anyway, you, I mean, the Connecticut turkey that came in and the hickory smoke, I'm like, Jesus. This whole, I, and that's, I, that's, why, that's why I shifted gears because that was the other thing. This whole house is perfumed with the glorious aroma of hickory smoke. Yes. Mm. So, mm. Uh, and and next up, I mean, I've got I've got thick slices of the remainder of the ham for pan frying and making dirty gravy. Smoky dirty gravy with homemade biscuits. Mm. Oh, we need a pot of grits. Are you going to make some grits? I got, I got, I got, I got good artisanal grits. I'll have you know. <laughs> God, I, you know, there's nothing. Like, I know, I know exactly what you mean when you say it smells like hickory. Like your the house is just permeated with this wonderful aroma of the, the herbs and spices and turkey and, and smoke. The smoke and yes. Damn. There. Oh. Woo. Yeah, that's and, and and once again, seriously though, I'm not kidding about the noodle though. Back in that, that that, that is the because see, the, the egg noodles have a little more body to them, and they add something, some substance, you know, to the soup. And, and by the way, you you were talking about the mashed potatoes. You had me going out. I know I have a couple of them in here. I mean, I'm in. People have been living in this house for a hundred years, but I know I have. I bought a new what you call it. Um, because I forgot about how good fresh, you know, from scratch mashed potatoes are. We'd be getting some good bad. This is two. This and is yeah. Two, yeah, two days in a row. I have gotten up, heated up my iron griddle, and made potato cakes. Mm. Oh, damn! That's good eating. See, oh, you know what? Before you know it, you'll be done with all this good eating, and, and then it'll be spring. You won't have to worry about that. Well, it's not entirely true because I had a little bit of a warning from uh, uh, Jake from oh, no. Jake from Columbus. The subject what? line says, "Go ahead." No. The subject line says, "The uh, Subject line: Well deserved. And again, this is Jake in Columbus. Sounds like your holidays so far have been fabulous. Watch those calories, girl. Swimsuit season's coming up, and I read that, and it's just like. Oh, the horror! The horror! But yeah, I've, oh, I don't know. I got I got six months to deal with. Hey, I lost twenty. I lost twenty pounds in the last six months. Maybe I can lose. I lose, I lose another twenty. I lose another twenty. I'll just be svelte and willowy. Now, who am I lying to? But it, no, Jake's, Jake's right. Swimsuit season's coming up. But. Uh, Jake, yeah. this is so sweet what Jake says. I want to offer a pledge to you, Jake says. Uh, have a show on Dad. 
In honor of my late father, who jumped on the Fox News bandwagon, became a Trumpanista, and didn't speak to me for the last year of his life. The last word he said to me was to call me a motherfucker and something derogatory about Biden and wearing masks. I know, and, and, and Jake's compassion is just so profound here. I know he was suffering because he spent much of the past four years caring for his wife, who was traveling down the road of the long goodbye disease, Alzheimer's. I gotta hand it to him, while he ran out on many people in his life, including me at 11, he stayed by her side, living with her in the Hocking Hills, the foothills of the Appalachians, she was a native West Virginian, until her disease progressed so badly he could no longer care for her. Dad died on March 13th, 2021, of a massive stroke in his kitchen. Some cute little tootsie who worked at the Logan Greasy Spoon, uh, local Greasy Spoon, he frequented, got her hooks in him. He called her his new girlfriend when she took me there, when he took me there for dinner, and she was working. I knew from the get-go what she was about, and sure enough, as we sorted through the detritus of my dad's life, she had taken him for thousands. When we went down to the house for the first time after his death, some Meth-head motherfuckers were living in the house. Guns were drawn. About three sheriff's deputies came out. A real white trash high drama. We finally settled his estate last week, and I received my inheritance. It took two years, during which we learned of the two adopted kids he had with his second wife and tussled with the other one, whom we dubbed Half-Bro, a real asshole. I'm relieved it's over, Jake says, and I swore when it was over I'd give you a nice donation. Since I see you're really deep in the hole, I want a match. So let's do the have a show on Jake's dad matching challenge. Just let me know how much that is. And the offer runs through tomorrow night, Thursday night. So there it is. Uh, all my condolences, Jake, and, go, and, and, and condolences for the going through the estate and probate process. Oh, my God. And it seems like there's always some kind of horror lurking within but thank you so kindly thank you so the have a show on Jake's dad $300 challenge is on the table and if met that would get us down to only $1400 to go to finish the month of December and the year of 2023 fully funded thank you Jake uh, the, the, you, that's so kind and the way you see that? the way you, the way, yeah the, and the way he describes it all yes and uh, thanks for reminding me of swimsuit season oh. can I say something about Jake uh, yeah uh, his narrative was as stupendous as his contribution yes I mean that narrative that's a whole show that's a whole program. I, they, I mean, I almost, yeah. I almost like cried. He's talking about his. I mean, that's some serious. See, this, this is the damage that has happened, folks. That, that's uh, remember, remember. This, it wasn't less than two years ago. I, my father died right in front of me. Like when oh, he was God. in hospice, and I was there. Yeah, I'll never forget it. I mean, there ain't no fun looking. No, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think I've I'm dealt with it too much. No, it's still too fresh. But uh, both, of, see, both, both of my parents died before my very eyes. Oh, dang, Robin, let me be quiet. No, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, it. 
And no, I don't. You, you never do. You never do. Um, but I, I, I know, I know what you're describing. You, you know what? And I know what you're over. And and I, I was, I'm so, you know, I feel so fortunate to be able to talk to you today. Uh, and, and just the information once again that in, in the uh, the family, the people that monitor. And I don't know some people probably listen to your program. They not they just do it out of spite or whatever. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't. I don't know. But I, uh, I want to say this: uh, Mike Malloy is fortunate to have you fill in for him. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, of course. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off, and um, you know, I I don't want to. I hope people don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You know. When I say bitch slap and stuff like that, you know, it's just to, you know, be fair. And, and, and like somebody intimated earlier in the program, someone, I mean, frankly, if we all just try to be nice to somebody out of, you know, random acts of kindness and just treat people the way you want to be treated. It's not that hard. You know, like if, if, if gay people get in your nerves or whatever, you know, these people beating up trans people and all that. Like, why are you going out of your way to hurt someone else? It has nothing to do with you. They're, they're what they do in the bedroom or how they live their life really doesn't. You, okay. You don't like it. Fine. Don't make your problem. Somebody else's problem. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. And don't treat and treat people the way you want to be treated. It's not. It's not that complicated. You know, just pull back once in a while, and you feel irritated. And you think and, you want to yeah, and, and just kind of check in. Yeah. Yeah. Just take. You no, know, and eat some good food. Yeah. Hmm? Without a doubt. Cornbread and buttermilk. That was what I did Christmas Eve I night. Didn't... I cooked all day Christmas Eve. And <laughs> at the end of the day, I did what my grandmother and my mother and time and I just sat down with a little time to myself and had a hunk of cornbread and an ice cold glass of buttermilk. That was lovely. That's one of your favorite things. Isn't I, that one of your favorite things? It, it is. It's so simple and so perfect. Uh, note coming in well, from, I'm happy note coming in, thank you. Note coming in from Jude. Uh, by the way, the Mountaineers are up twenty seven to ten over UNC. <laughs> Please, guys, don't snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Please. It's been a season. Um, Jude said, it's the process of remaining effective. I listen because I learn from all of you, varied as each individual engaging is through voice and thought. The intensity of all these realities we seek to face together as a community must be acknowledged. Our need for personal care and wellness of our being. I pace in a quiet intention when time affords me to access the horn. It's far too vast what is occurring around this planet, and the need to remain functional true to ourselves calls out. If I may, being of personal service to others affords the flow of clean, dedicated energy. I spend time with residents at a nursing home close to where I live twice a week. Why? It brings me back to my humanity, humility, and gratitude. As each are filled with wisdom and joy, and I can reach out, touch a fellow human being, letting me know, I'm fully alive, alive, and haven't been lost 
and haven't lost of my higher self. And added, uh, well stated, Jake. His words were viscerally received, beautiful, compassionately honoring his father. That was beautiful. Thank you, Jake. Mm. And so, um, I guess we—I guess we will knock off a little extra broadcasting this evening. That's always fun. And uh, I hope you have a—I ha- well, hope you have a very happy New Year, Todd. Um, Whether you go out or stay in, um, it's amateur night, so uh, that's the—I'll be—I'll be—I'll be the sober girl at the bar. Uh, yeah. Because everybody Year's, needs one of those. But there's a there the uh, uh, the theme the theme this year is a wig out, which is a new a, a thing that's been going. So everybody has to wear a really crazy dumb wig. And I've got that sounds fun. Oh, I've got one that's knee. It's all curly and got neon and it's neon pink. <laughs> that's a great idea. You know, there's a lot you can do with that because the wigs are. You know, you can pick up a wig somewhere. That, that's funny. That's funny. I think it will. Yeah, be. New Year's would be. Yeah, you know, uh, I know you you got to sign off, but I think I really, I really feel, I believe, are your favorite words. Like, um, you know, there's there's something different in the, in the ether this year, this Christmas season, especially you know, like I'm in Bethlehem. Yeah, I kind of. I then, mean, that did that kind of. I kind of blew my doors off. It's like. Where's the PR department? I, they just don't give a fuck now. Well, no, and and once you want, you know, once you read up on uh, that the uh, Ben Gavir creep and the other pyromaniac creep, it suddenly makes sense. Yeah. But guess what? That's why we have good food. And I'm, you know what? I'm so glad we live in the United States of America because we had the capacity to be better. And we have, uh, you know, we have courts. At <laughs> least courts. in theory. Right? We'll, we'll see. Well, um, I just, I, I want to thank you again for, um, you know, your excellence and, and education and all the knowledge that you bring. And I'm sure other people do also. You know. Yeah. So that's it. Thank you, Todd. For me. Very happy yeah. new year to you. You too, Robin. And a joyful and a joyful and prosperous twenty twenty four. Of course you can always pop by uh, pop, pop by on Friday for the front porch if you want to. I'll, I'll see what happens. I'm I'm gonna believe it or not, it won't be long before I I'll be in. I'll be in VA, man. I'll be. I'll be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit you up. You're headed up this way. I'm gonna hit you up. I'm. I'm gonna. You know. I'm gonna give you wig notice. No, I'm gonna give you big notice. But I'm. I'm. I'm trying to. I'm still putting out fires around here. No. Well, no, I'm still waiting. I'm, I'm still waiting for those four miserable screws <laughs> to show up from Chargriller. <laughs> oh no, you're not. Damn. They're still back ordered oh, some they're, they're st- still back ordered somewhere in Guangdong Free Trade Province in China or something. I don't know. But just as quick as they get here, I'm putting that sucker together because 
it's 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 time for it's time for me to start. Yeah, doing my own. Well, it'll be spring before you know it. You know, time is flying. I don't know if you noticed, but it seems like something's going on. Your time is flying. Yeah, it does kind of, doesn't it? I mean, this it does. this this to and I'm all like I said, I'm all better now because we're past the mm-hmm. sol- we're past the solstice. I know the days are getting longer, and while I still mm-hmm. worry about the brutal cold coming, and it will, uh, <laughs> and the power bill that's going to come with it. Well, gosh, as of January first, there's a thirty-one and forty. 60, 80 days left, just 80 days until the first day of spring. 80 yeah, days. That's less, than, that's less than three months. Yeah, 80 days till I, I, hear the, I hear the wonderful song of the peepers and start waiting for the red buds to bloom and turn these mountains pink. You'd be dancing around in the middle in your frock. In my frock, yes. Um, Have a good night, my friend. I I will, and you know what? Um, good God, I don't I don't, I don't know. Uh, humanity needs to thank you for for what you do. Yep, and that's all I got to say. And enjoy that turkey. Oh, and the soup, and yeah, everything. The ha- There's going to be ham salad. There's definitely going to be ham salad with some of that smoky ham. All right. I'll catch you next time. All right. See you, Todd. Bye. All right. Our buddy Todd down South Carolina, Stan. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Bob in Baltimore. Thank you, kind anonymous Internet friend. Thank you, Ralphs, for all the challenges. Uh, the have a, uh, have a have a show on Jake's dad challenges on the table. And that, if met, will knock out two entire days of fundraising. Thanks again, Jake. Thanks to each and every one of you who responded to the challenges. Thanks to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Roger in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head-on.live. Remember, please like each podcast and subscribe to it and leave a comment. It builds visibility of our little community. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Please stay safe, everybody. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. I need to, I need to get my flu shot. That's next. RSV vaccine, if you can get it. Wear your masks, especially around larger groups, especially if there are maggots in it. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it, uh, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance as best you can, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. 
And if uh, if a guy comes towards you saying, there is no such thing as a Palestinian, well, ignore that fascist POS like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.